Morning, I love a circus. I love a voice back this morning, actually. It's, uh, it was, you know when you, you know when you've got this stupid cough thing? And I'm, t- I, my boss said to me the other day, actually, you know, I, I said, how do I stand for a, for a pay rise? He said, well, for a start, you kneel. And, um, so I thought, well, okay, fair enough. He was in one of his funny moods yesterday. You know, his funny moods where he's always inquiring about my health. I think he thinks I'm going to drop dead on the programme. He's probably hoping I'm going to drop dead on the programme. And so, uh, I said, I've got this, I said, I'm convinced that last time I had the flu jab, I then get this blooming stupid throat thing. Perhaps that's my side effect. Other people feel ill and faint. I'll just get a sore throat. And so yesterday I was coughing for the entire country. You know when you sit there in front of the television, you think, this is stupid. It's that tickly cough. <clears throat> so I've got my cough mixture. I bought my chloroseptic in. In fact, actually, the ultra chloroseptic appears to be the only thing that's giving me anything that vaguely resembles a voice. Either way, it, it just really annoyed me. And so I'm sitting in front of the television, so I knew that when I woke up this morning, I would have the real, the real sore throat. You know where it hurts, and you think, oh, it's so thick. It's so thick, you could open up your epiglottis, and you could just sort of take out all the mucus and everything else and make yourself sound a bit better, because it's horrible. It really is. But I'm not the only one, so no point moaning about it, although I will for the entire programme. <clears throat> Every time something happens to me, somebody, a friend of mine will always say, well, there you go, you've got something to talk about tomorrow now, haven't you? I said, Listen, I had things to talk about on the programme before I worried about this. We've had one of my listeners bump into Chantel. Yeah, Chantel, living the dream. You know, all very exciting. And uh, we've discovered that, that Ant from Capital has now started downloading the podcast. Bit of a worry on that one. Bit of a worry. You know, when somebody says to you as you walk through the room, you go, morning, and they go, I've just started downloading the podcast. And I said, I wish you hadn't told me that. Because I don't like people telling me that they download. I mean, I understand people do download them. But it's, but it's funny, because I wouldn't download them. Because I've heard them. You know, I've listened to them, and I thought, would I download I don't know, perhaps I might. You know, some days, I, I think better. Ant pain, is it? <coughs> that sh- must be short for Anthony, I think. What does his, what does his proper picture look like on the internet? Does he, have a, does he have a proper, really flashy picture? Oh, he's in Manchester, was he? Oh, bless, it'll all be new to him then down here, won't it? Carpets, electric lighting, hot and cold running water. Bless his heart, honestly. And he looks about 15. But yesterday we had the wanted in, and uh, I did manage to get out of the building. The funny thing was, they'd left the building. Oh, was a good picture, isn't it? Actually, no, he's much better looking than that. He, that must have been taken a few years ago. He's much better looking than that. Much better. That makes him look... He's really young, I promise you, if, if you've checked him out. God, there's all these people on there. I love looking at people's pictures. He's Oh, he carried the Olympic torch. Lucky so-and-so. <laughs> I never got to carry the Olympic... Who carried the Olympic torch from here, apart from Royston? Anybody from LBC carry it? Anybody? With it? Just Royston, was it? Oh, I wish I'd care. And he carried it as well. Ant Paint Capital. Uh, sorry, Capital. It carried it for, for Capital when he was up in Manchester. But he's, he's definitely better looking than that, I'm telling you. I looked through the window the other day because we have this... This sort of... I can't really describe how the building is, but we can look out of our window and look into their offices next door, and yet there's a gap between us. If I was doing a high-wire act, I'd probably build it. And he started taking his clothes off. So, of course, I'm, I'm sort of watching... And I, I said to the producer, I said, he's taking his clothes off. And it turns out he comes in on a bicycle. Bless his heart. And, um, and so he, he wears all the wet weather gear. And so he has to take all that. It's very time-consuming, very labour-intensive. But he takes all this stuff off. And then I saw Kevin Hughes in the office, who'd just come back from the... Was it the Cosmo Women's Award thing? He said, it's very funny. He said, because you see the same people. The people who are at Pride of Britain, like Mark Wright and all the rest, they, they then pitch up the next night to the Cosmopolitan Awards. I said, was Chantel there? I don't think he saw Chantel, because she's dragging her carcass around anywhere, telling people who can be bothered to listen to her about how dreadful the uh, relationship was with Alex Reed, how she wished she'd never met him, how he was texting men, how he crossed dresses. And I thought, you know, your life is so empty, and I reckon you're really quite nasty. 
as indeed is proven by a story this morning from one of my listeners who bumped into her in a Chinese takeaway. Luckily, there were two photographers who were there sort of taking pictures. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll save the story for a little bit later because it's actually quite a, quite a good one. But you do see the same people who pitch up to these things night after night after night. They must just go party time. We had a big arrest in Leicester Square earlier on as I was coming in. There were police vans. And I thought, you know, the, the poor old police around here, they really got the wrong end of the pineapple, didn't they? It's, uh, where are you based? Leicester Square. Oh, God, bound to be trouble. So they arrested somebody. And, um... And then there was somebody else sitting on the pavement with a bandage round his head. I thought, actually, on, on reflection, the bloke with the bandage round his head could have been dressed for Halloween. He could have been dressed for Halloween because, you know, the, a lot of people will be going out dressed as ghoulies uh, tonight and, and ghosts and things like that. And uh, we know it's your birthday. Are you telling every presenter you work with it's your birthday just so you can get loads and loads of mentions? If you'd mentioned it yesterday, you'd have had money as well. But, you know, <coughs> you didn't mention it yesterday, did you? No. Mine's the 17th of March, by the way, in case anybody's interested. You know, just I've mentioned it now, just in advance, in case you were thinking of buying me a, a card. So the producer celebrates her birthday today. She's 12. It's great. Very happy at Global to be employing 25. Oh, God. 25. That's so old. Isn't it 25. God, blimey. After 25, there's not really much to look forward to, is there, really, I suppose? A pension. And uh, <laughs> I don't, there's nothing to look... What do you look forward to at 25 nowadays? Don't know. You can, you know, you can vote, you can drink, you can go to nightclubs. <coughs> excuse me, you don't have as much energy as you thought you do. I noticed that the other day, actually. Just excuse me, I'm going to be every so often I'm either going to wheeze through the show, which I think is quite interesting. I think it's quite nice that I share my illnesses with you. It'd be funny if it was contagious through a microphone, wouldn't it? You could actually do airborne, you know, contaminating everybody. It would be hilarious. So, thank you. God, I hate, this. hate the taste of chloroseptic, but it kind of soothes the throat. And I was saying to Kevin Hughes this morning, I said, it would be fine if I didn't have to do a speech programme. If I was just doing, uh, you know, a music-based programme, I wouldn't have to say very much anyway. I could just sort of sit there and just do a couple of links and I could get away with it. If you do speech-based, I've got to talk for two and a half hours. Whichever way you look at it, I'm sitting here till 6.30, unless I collapse which is highly unlikely, uh, because I've, I had to go through the papers. Very disappointing. Very, very disappointing at all. I mean, as, uh, the only thing that's exciting is looking at the pictures on the news of this hurricane, and you look at the devastation, and you look at the flooding in New York, and you look at cars up to... And you can't believe it. It is almost like, you know, somebody, you know, God in his infinite wisdom has decided he's had enough of all this debauchery and everything else that's going on, and this is the, uh, this is the price we pay for it. Because it really is terrible. You know, fires have started because of... I mean, I'm looking at, you know, explosions on the television. I think there was a power station the other day blew up. <clears throat> and it was just amazing. Just amazing. And, of course, the worst thing is... I mean, I suppose it could eventually travel over here. It's unlikely. But uh, we, we've had them in the past, but not as bad as that. You know, when you see the... Uh, the storms lashing the coast in America, and you see the flooding and the rivers, you know, overflowing their banks, you think, my God, we've got no control over nature at all, have we? We've got absolutely nothing. Some flights are getting back together today, so some people will be able to get in and out, but either way, you don't want to go anywhere near this thing, do you? You don't want to drive down the blooming street, you don't know what you're going to encounter. You know, they've now got sort of houses up on stilts, and houses that are very low down, who didn't think they were at risk, now they're at risk. Terrible, really. Terrible. Uh, still to come this morning, the story of the uh, the chip shop in battle with the film studio. Did you hear this yesterday? They very unwisely... Well, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, plus, 
plus 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 in the papers today. What have we got on the Daily Star? We love the Daily Star. Um, the royal family, they say, have demanded to know why they were never warned about pervert Jimmy Savile, because he was friends with all the royal family. He was friends with Diana. He was friends with um, the Queen. He was friends with the Queen Mother. Close pals, uh, close friends with Prince Charles. And he even gave Prince Charles advice about his rocky marriage. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, to be honest with you, we knew about it. The royal family must have known about it. They must have had advisers. Surely, unless, unless they were particularly stupid in the advisory front, because they must have heard the same rumours that the rest of us heard. I was talking to somebody the other day who's, who's big in the business, and he said, we all knew about it. I said, everybody knew about it. Couldn't understand why, why people didn't. So the papers today have printed pictures of um, Jimmy Savile and Diana, and they've also got an interview in one of the other papers uh, with Dave Eager, who I think is a DJ on a radio station in Liverpool, who went to the funeral and said that he was his sort of, you know, his, uh, his confidant and everything else. He said he knew nothing about it. He said he knew nothing about it. He said, well, he read stories about a nine-year-old boy. He went, no, can't be true. Freddie Starr flipped, attacking journalists and uh, shouting abuse. Um, he's like that. He's a bit bipolar. And um, he rammed a reporter's car uh, with his Audi. He denies any links to the Jimmy Savile sex case. It's funny, though, isn't it? I mean, it's, he's been on television talking about this. He's been in the newspapers talking about this. And then, presumably, when somebody turned up the other day and they're going, so what else do you know about this? Because they had a girl who said that she was um, touched in, in an office or in a studio or in a dresser or something. I can't remember what it was. And, uh, and he flipped. He's, he's used words here. He reached uh, into the car. He was, he, was, he was trying to punch the reporter. Everything. I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, he's... Uh, I can understand, you know, if you've been accused of something and you firmly believe that you're innocent, that you're going to lash out at people. That doesn't help, though, does it? Because the more you lash out, the more the press are going to go and goad him. That's what they do. They're there to, to try and get a story. I remember years and years ago when um, Boy George was going through his, uh, his drugs bit and um, some reporters were standing outside the Limelight Club, which was uh, just uh, over the road from here. And um, and somebody came out of the club and they they said, oh, is Boy George? They said, yeah, he's coming out in a minute. They said, we'll give you £100 if you go and punch him. That's all they wanted was a picture of somebody hitting Boy George outside a club to get a reaction. That was how bad it got. That was how bad. Take a quick break. <clears throat> Sounding a little bit rough there, I thought, actually. Perhaps I should start doing voiceovers for James Bond movies. Quarter past four. This is LBC 97. La, 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 oh dear. Doesn't sound promising, does it? Quarter past four in the morning, approximately. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Yes, it is me. I know it, it sounds a little bit like Sean Connery. Uh, or actually, no, it doesn't sound like Sean Connery at all, does it? A little bit with a Scottish accent. Sounds a bit like Roger Moore. Yes. Uh, no, the other ones. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, in all the papers today, uh, apart from the, uh, the pictures of the hurricane over in America and the devastation, you've got loads of pictures on the television. I came in today and uh, Imran downstairs, we were looking at the picture, he went, you can't believe it, can you? I said, no, you absolutely can't believe it. It's just, it's total devastation. It's going to cost billions, billions. You know, it's, uh, it's just really awful. Anyway, so Chantel, you know, Chantel the non-entity, uh, is now telling everybody about her relationship with Alex Reid. Now, what I want to know is, well, nobody's managed to explain it, least of all Chantel, who cares? You know, what somebody gets up to in their private life? You know, has he punched her in the face? Has he, has he told lies about her? No, 
He hasn't said anything at all, although his agent has said that he, uh, <clears throat> he will be setting the record straight in due course, presumably making her out to be the biggest liar that we've ever encountered. And the trouble is, she's an irritant. And she's irritating because she can't settle with anybody because she's a bit needy. You've all seen the pictures of her outside, you know, her on the phone. You know, luckily the photographer's there to capture it. She doesn't stay in. She goes out to be photographed. And so she's now been on an Irish television programme telling them about he used to dress up uh, as a woman. Who cares? I'm quite sure you're probably rubbish in bed, dear, but he's not telling everybody, is he? You don't tell people about things like that. It's your private life. I couldn't care less whether he dresses up as Hammy the Hamster. He might do that as well, I suppose. <clears throat> but it doesn't make any difference. It's of no interest to anybody. Nobody really cares about you and your stupid life, or him and his stupid life as well. Why don't you get out there, Chantel? As I've said a million times, why don't you get a blooming job, dear? Do us all a favour. Get a job, do something, make something of yourself, as opposed to being this pathetic little bimbo who pitches up on television programmes talking about why you're not successful with men. You ever looked at yourself? Maybe it's your problem. You know, every single one... Uh, doesn't like you, do they? Rav Wilding quite clearly never liked you. Alex Reed doesn't like you either. Preston and you split up, so it's you, isn't it? You quite clearly are the big problem in all of this. You know, going on air playing the victim, it's a bit dull, I'm afraid, dear. You can understand if you were a singer or you'd done something very interesting, but uh, nothing at all, I'm afraid. Nothing at all. I think Nicole Scherzinger got an award last night. I'm pretty certain that Kevin Tolman... He's sickeningly good-looking, Kevin Hughes. Our showbiz reporter. I mean, he's sickeningly good-looking. Nobody should be... I mean, I, you know, I should have had his looks. I was last in the queue when they gave out looks. But it doesn't matter, actually, because I'm very successful. <laughs> I've convinced myself of this one, even with, with no voice today. Um, the star of Darren Brown's Apocalypse show has spoken out to crush claims he's an actor. Stephen Brosnan hit back after his uh, latest delusion, Darren's, was branded a fake. He appeared with pot noodle star Carl Greenwood to stop raging online rumours they were the same person. He said, I'm not. We were talking about this yesterday, actually, because didn't they do it in XFM? Didn't they do something XFM? Because apparently Darren Brown's a big XFM fan. So I think there was something going on there. I mean, you know, Darren says here, Darren, sorry, Darren Brown, says to fake the whole thing with an actor would be pointless. I agree. But of course, people were so affected by it. I never saw it. I never saw it. But uh, so many people have, uh, have spoken to me about it. And I thought, well, I'm going to go and try and download it and catch it a bit later. Uh, Sandy. <clears throat> this is the Superstorm. Superstorm Sandy. I was going to sing it, but I can't. Uh, we'll end up causing about $20 billion uh, in property damage. And in lost business, about $18 billion. Phenomenal, isn't it? A bit of wind, a bit of water, a bit of shh. And all of a sudden, the whole thing goes pear-shaped. Terrible. Um, <clears throat> uh, the hot-tempered um, Towie girl. God bless me, I, th I didn't think she was still dragging her weary old body around. But Chloe Sims, uh, posing for Halloween. You don't need to put, put makeup on for Halloween, Chloe. You're scary enough as it is, love. Very scary. But uh, <clears throat> she says here, I'm a real devil. You're very old, I know that. You're very old to be still, still, you know, behaving like a 12-year-old, aren't you, dear? Do you think she'd grow up a little bit? She's posing with a pumpkin. The pumpkin's the orange thing, OK? Just when you thought it was uh, Joey Essex. But, uh, no, the pumpkin was the orange thing. It's a lovely picture in one of the papers today of a little baby, and they've, uh, they've cut a pumpkin open, and they've stuck it in there with his feet out there. And they've stuck the top of the pumpkin on his head. It's probably abuse. But um, it's, it's funny to look at, because, you know, kids just look... They just, and it must be all horrible and wet. 
inside the pumpkin. So they've just cut two little... I know, the poor little kid. I mean, luckily, when he gets older, he'll be able to go and see an advisor and probably get money out of the newspapers and his mother as well for abusing him. But uh, up till that time, it's, it just made me laugh. It's nice to have a picture in the paper that does make you laugh because there's, there's precious little about at the moment. I was saying to somebody yesterday, you know, the, the, there is nothing... In the, who was I talking to? Oh, it was Suggs. Suggs, he's got the new album out. Wee wee, ya ya, blah blah blah. And um, very good album, very good album. And My Girl 2 is the new single. But this weekend for In Conversation, Tommy Steele and Michelle Ryan, who's doing, uh, where's she? She's at, I think she's at the Savoy Theatre. She's doing cabaret, isn't she? Willkommen, bien. Don't sing, Stephen, you're rubbish. Uh, if you got the flu, didn't you get the jab? It's, of course, I got the jab. I'm high risk. I'm high risk, so I got the jab uh, a week ago now. But it, it, I think the the effect for me is I get a sore throat. People get different. Some people's arms go dead, and they advise you to sit down for a little while. And um, and I just I think I get the sore throat. It'll probably it'll work itself out by the end of the program. But I warn you now, there might be the danger, Ant, that I might not be doing the extra podcast today, only because it's it's twenty minutes straight through. You know, which no 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 problem for me normally, no problem for me normally, but. It's, uh, I don't want to completely screw it up for the rest of the week. Because uh, I've also got to record the links today. Typical, isn't it? I'm going to sound so butch. The rest of the programme's going to sound all sort of light and fluffy. And I'm going to sound as I'm dying completely. Anyway, <clears throat> so there's a fish and chip shop. And uh, this fish and chip shop is in um, Brightlingsea. Brightlingsea. Oh, good Lord, Brightlingsea. And they've named it Scooby-Doo. Now, <clears throat> quite clearly, the owner... Did not know, or if he did, he was being a little bit remiss, that Scooby-Doo is a registered trade name. And it's owned by Hanna-Barbera. The film studio own the name Scooby-Doo. So you cannot use it. And they've threatened legal action. A lawyer's letter arrived, and uh, they've said, you, you, you better take it down. It's apparently they've named their dog Scooby. Well, that's fine. But you cannot call... You can't then lie to him and say, oh, we're going to call it Scooby-Doo, because that's just cheating. So, unfortunately, uh, they breach copyright rules. Now, quite rightly, he can challenge it. He can challenge it, and he can say, listen, I want... Because it's named after my dog, which, of course, is a load of rubbish, because nobody's ever called a dog Scooby, unless it was named after the TV programme. And the lawyers have said that it could cost £100,000. He said, I can't afford to fight them. Well, no. And, and you'd be very unwise to try and take on Hanna-Barbera. They're, they're only protecting their brand. You know, because you called your record Scooby, your, your shop Scooby-Doo. They own the name Scooby-Doo. You could call it Steve Allen. So um, I don't actually mind about being called... Steve Allen is a, is a fish shop. I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. But you can't call it Scooby-Doo. In the same way, you can't call it... I suppose, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something, because that's owned by a studio. But Scooby-Doo, I mean, it's a bit stupid to call a fish and chip, you know, place some things you could understand, or variations of, of different words, but you don't call a fish and chip shop Scooby-Doo, do you? That's a bit dumb. It's in Brightlingsea. I've never been to Brightlingsea. Actually, I knew somebody, one of my listeners came from Brightlingsea. Strange enough, he was, he was a white guy, but he worked in his local Chinese takeaway. He was cooking. I've never heard of that. Have you ever heard of that before? I, he wasn't Chinese. He just got a job working, cooking Chinese food. Unbelievable. I'd love to cook Chinese food. Love to cook Chinese food. Actually, this, having this sore throat means you don't eat very much. I didn't eat very much at all yesterday. And uh, today, 
Actually, it goes in fits and starts, his voice. So if, if you've just turned on the radio, you just have to kind of put up with it, I'm afraid. I know, it's a, try, try and listen through the, the cotton wool and the, uh, and the raspy sort of throat bit, and I'll try and come up with some stories which hopefully will put a smile on your face this morning. Hopefully it won't be all about Jimmy Savile again, but I have a sneaking feeling it's going to run and run. I'm sure that there'll be more on people as more names are dragged into the frame, people who worked with him, people who were associated with him, people who did the charitable works. We had yesterday the person who wrote his autobiography who said she hadn't got the faintest idea what was going on. She thought he was a little bit creepy. Fine to say that afterwards, isn't it? But uh, now the name Jimmy Savile becomes poison. It becomes poison, and now the royal family have been dragged into it. And uh, they say there could be 300 people, there could be 400 people. My friend Mike said, as we said on the programme the other day, that um, it's, uh, it's highly unlikely that all these people will be genuine. In fact, just by the very law of averages and the way that people try and say things nowadays, uh, there's a very good chance that probably more than half of them are not genuine. They've just made up a story. <clears throat> so, in other words, they're going to waste the police time as if they didn't have enough to do. Poor police. Um, the royals in the front of the uh, paper today because they're actually saying, you know, why weren't we told? I don't believe the royals have made any comment on this at all. I don't believe they've made any comment. Uh, the Daily Mirror still doing their Pride of Britain awards. This is two days running now. And... Um, Fury erupted last night, according to the Mirror, as police in Serbia charged two England stars with violence following this match, which was just marred with, uh, with race hatred. It's everywhere, isn't it? It really is terrible. Uh, Girls Aloud star Kimberly Walsh has revealed uh, competing on Strictly Come Dancing has given her a bum lift. You know, you can have these things in America where they sort of inject silicon into your bottom to give you a bootylicious bottom. <clears throat> and I thought, I don't think dancing gives you that, does it? You know, I suppose it might. I don't know. Uh, Talisa, uh, heading off to the hotel with a boy band singer. I think he's actually, ah, uh, from The Wanted. This is all tying in so well now. This is all fitting in so well. But there's a picture of him. This is Max sharing a Talisa's wardrobe ever since she's become a television star. Must have increased tenfold, doesn't it? I would think. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another squirt of the spray. It's so, it's so medicinal, this programme. It really is so good. Wonderful. Tomorrow, operations. <laughs> Live operations on air. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, now the Big Apple disaster. They've got cars in a car park. Um, a stricken tanker on Staten Island. Loads of taxis underwater. Uh, the worst hit as uh, the flood in New York surges and swamped huge areas. It's just, it's just carnage. It's just Devon devastation, I'm afraid. Devastation. That's in all the papers. Uh, plus, uh, police are now investigating claims that a BBC star reporter was sexually harassed and bullied by a female colleague, and uh, he killed himself, and they're now trying to investigate and find out <clears throat> exactly what went on. Plus the sniffer dog, who managed to sniff out some, uh, some migrants <coughs> coming into the country in coffins. They came in coffins. But uh, luckily, the dog went... You can sniff out human beings. It's so, you know, especially dead ones, but they weren't dead. And so they found them. And in, I think it's Rio de Janeiro, they've actually got a dog that can sniff out drugs. I know they're actually quite common now, but this dog has had a death threat put on it because the drug dealers are saying, listen, he's bad for business. I thought, well, he's very good for business, really, because he's out there and he's, um, and he's trying to sort it all out. Somebody said the question of the day is, will Steve Allen actually get to the end of the show with a voice? 
don't know. We'll wait and find out, shall we? It's, uh, we managed to get 30 minutes in, so we're not doing too badly. Perhaps we should replay the first 30 minutes. I wonder if we... If we I remember, oh, I'll tell you something about Clyde Bull in a moment. It's uh, LBC 97.3. It's uh, Crokey Steve Allen's early breakfast, and it's 4.30. <laughs> I wonder how many minutes we can do on the programme this morning before the voice, the voice gives up completely. What a trooper I am. What a trooper. I'm also far too mean to go home and miss the money. But uh, if, if all of a sudden you hear a, a programme going out that is me, but all of a sudden the voice sounds good, it means that we've probably gone to an emergency tape and we've sort of just put it on just to rest the voice for a little bit. So pictures in the papers of all the, uh, the good and the great pitching up at the uh, awards last night. And um, they've got Louis Walsh. I don't know what he was doing there. But he was being kissed by Mark Wright and Louis tries to look surprised. I thought it was going to be tongues. I really did. And then there's Bruce Forsyth with, uh, with Toss Daly and that funny sex-texting husband of hers. And um, Louis Spence. I thought his career had finished. I no idea what, he's, what, he, what was he doing there. And uh, he's lusting over uh, Tom Daly. And, um, and that was it, actually. So Mark Wright was there again. You really need to get a job, Mark, don't you? I mean, it's a bit difficult when you're just pitching up to parties now without actually, uh, actually having anything to do at all. So uh, we wish you well in that venture. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Tony Romford reckons pineapple juice would be very good for a sore throat. He said, trust me, I'm a singer. Believe me, I've tried everything. I don't think, being a diabetic, though, that uh, pineapple juice would be the best thing. I think that would probably just, just about send me over. Imagine being high as a kite at the same time. That would be uh, very funny. Um, be very careful with chloroseptic, somebody says. Do not use if you have a temperature. I don't have a temperature. I don't. I don't have a cold or anything like that. I've just got, just got the sore throat, and the sore throat. You know, this anybody else, it would be fine. Any, you know, it would be absolutely fine, wouldn't it? If you were anybody else, you go. I've got a sore throat. You go. That's fine. Just don't talk for a while. If you talk for a living, though, it's kind of a bit of a problem. So going through the papers, trying to find something. Um, you know, Nicole Scherzinger. I mean, I suppose she has to be over here because she doesn't have a career in America. You know, she's an ex-pussycat doll. She doesn't contribute very much. She's not an experienced singer. You know, if you're going to have an experienced singer on The X Factor, put somebody on like Shirley Bassey, somebody who knows what singing is, uh, whereas a cold, as opposed to Nicole Scherzinger, who has no talent whatsoever, just happens to have a a rich boyfriend who drives racing cars, and that's it. But uh, she was in the Pussycat Dolls. Big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Big deal. There's a, a woman who went to court the other day, um... Uh, she she laughed and, and was waving to people. She's she's one of the lower end of the scale. She's she's almost just off the Jeremy Kyle scale. You know, you look at some people and you think you're destined for the Jeremy Kyle show. Well, this is Emma Gregory. She's 20, but with the mental ability of a, of a peanut, I'm afraid. And uh, she had a pit bull. And uh, she shooed the dog out of the house. And it attacked an eight-year-old boy. So she got taken to court. Uh, the dog bit this poor boy's cheek arm and leg as his mum trying to beat it off and this girl comes out laughing. You just wanted to go up to her and just empty a vat of beetroot juice over her, don't you? You know, she is one of those lowlifes. You know that she's she's probably got everything under the sun and uh, here she is. This, this boy's injuries were so severe he had to have plastic surgery. She came outside of court laughing and waving and things like that and I thought, you know, you just wish, don't you, on occasions like that that, uh, that somebody let an elephant loose on her and just squashed her Make me feel fairly happy at the end of the day. But uh, she showed no remorse whatsoever because she's one of those lowlifes. She's the, one, you know, the sort that stands on the street corner, probably slept with everybody in the neighbourhood and thinks that life's done her a bad turn and she'll be on benefits. If not already, I'm afraid. Um, 
This is very strange, this story in the papers. I don't know whether you've read the story about the schoolboy who's gone missing on his cycle in, in France, I think on a, on a tiny island, and his father says, we still hope for his survival, but clearly the more time passes, the less hope we have. And he, and he said, and I don't think they'll ever find his body, and I'm thinking, what a funny thing to say. What a funny thing to say about your son. Surely you don't, you don't give up hope at all. He's 12, and uh, the parents have said, we fear the worst. And I'm thinking, well, you never fear the worst. That's, that's, that's ages down the line. I know what the experts say. If you haven't heard anything after about three days, well, then, you know, probably something might have happened. But you don't go, and they'll probably never find his body either, because it just sounds slightly creepy. Anyway, they have been maintaining a, vig a vigil. They've got three other children, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And, um, and they have thanked the French people for what they're doing. How you lose a boy on an island, I've got no idea. He wasn't smuggled off on a ferry or anything like that. He was 12, and he was wearing black jeans, sports shoes, a dark green rugby top, and a bathrobe for some, some inexplicable reason. But uh, nobody's come forward. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's had any sighting at all. And you think to yourself, he's 12, where do they go? And the answer is they just vanish into thin air, like the thousands of other children every year who we talk about on, uh, on LBC. And people just disappear. There's no explaining where they go to. One minute they're there, the next minute they go. You hear about the high-profile cases, but you don't hear about anybody else who loses a child or, you know, who has had to sort of suffer in that way. And it goes on and on and on for them, doesn't it? Because there is no end in sight. Uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. Um, propolis lozenges. The propolis spray might be better for you. And uh, that's from Michelle. There's a lot of professional people use it for their voices. I mean, I've got my little spray. I've got my bottles of water. I've got my 25-plus Manuka honey. I mean, it's, it's just terrible. I'm so sorry. I do, I do apologise. <laughs> uh, 84850. Randolph says, you sound awful. Well, I'm, I've got no throat. I've got no throat, but I'm refusing to give up. I'm like the last, the last turkey in the shop. I'm clinging on, clinging on. Uh, <clears throat> 84850. Nice glass of port. Apparently works well for a croaky voice, says Martin. That is just a little bit too much at this time of the morning. Can you imagine a glass of... What, what's Steve Allen? He's drinking alcohol. <laughs> Eight for... We can have a cup of coffee. Should we have a cup of coffee? I'll tell you what I've got. I've, not with some whiskey. Actually, should we do it with a whiskey? Should we have a whiskey coffee? Or brandy or something like that? Have we got any brandy upstairs? No. We're just pretending about that bit. We're just pretending about that bit. <laughs> I've got my own coffee, though. I've got little packets of coffee. I suppose we could have a coffee, couldn't we? Have something warming. I've done the Manuka honey bit, and that's rubbish now. I've given up with that one. I've, I brought my lemon down, but that probably won't work either. <laughs> uh, 84850, uk. Somebody says, I've just been woken up by a frog this morning, and then suddenly realised it's Steve Allen. <laughs> no, it's it's awful, isn't it? There's nothing that we can do about it. We just have to persevere. Chris Packham's in the uh, in the papers today. As I said, he he was never never one of the most interesting people I ever spoke to. And he says, if we don't stop people having too many kids, it won't just be the polar bear without a home. He comes up with these things every so often. I think he's as balmy as David Icke, I'm afraid. I never took much notice of what Chris Packham said. He was always a bit freaky in the early days when he did the the really wild show with Terry Nutkins. And Michaela Strachan. And Michaela Strachan keeps going. I've got no idea how old she is. She could be 70. 
She still pitches up on the television doing animal... That's all she's done for her whole life, is doing, um, is doing animal programmes. Whereas Chris Packham is sort of a little bit too dull and boring to be of any interest to anybody at all. He says... No, sorry? 46, is she? Oh, she's got to be older than 46. She was around when I was a youngster. I mean, she was, you know, I mean, she must have been. She was going to school on a horse and cart. You know, she must be 70. Don't tell me she's 46. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Funny, all the papers today have mentioned what we did yesterday about Robin Hood. And we were saying that uh, they're going to open this theme park costing about 13 million quid on a 40-acre site to try and regenerate Nottingham Forest. It's not the football club, that's the forest. And, um... And so people will, will go there and they will learn the story of Robin Hood and all his merry men. And, uh, and it'll bring much needed tourism into the place. And to be honest with you, I don't think they do need it because loads of people go to Nottingham anyway now. It's quite a nice place. To, full of students, though. It's like going to Southampton. Students everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, God. Leicester Square this morning. Loads of people just... Obviously, nobody's got any jobs to go to. Nothing at all. Uh, Disney is to make a string of new Star Wars movies after paying $2.5 billion for George Lucas's company. Wow. That is what you call a good, a good, you know, a, a oh, blimey. <laughs> uh, 84850, uk. Um, Graham says, I read that Anthea Turner's practising for her appearance on Dancing on Ice. Oh, gosh, please tell me. Oh, no. Oh, tell me she's not doing it. Oh, I don't think I'll be doing an extra podcast. I'll have to save it for... Please, God, oh, tell me she's not doing it. I can't bear this talentless woman on the... Oh, even a rumour it's enough to upset your day, isn't it? And here's, ladies and gentlemen, everybody's favourite non-entity, Anthea Dreary Turner and her her errant husband, Grant Bovey, the most boring man under the sun. Oh, no. Oh, God, honestly. What, just because he cheated... Is that what it's that sort of put her back in the public? But she's irritating. Nobody liked her on television. She was never any cop at anything at all. Everything she did was patronising. This is how we fold our towels. And this is how we... Oh, God, what a ghastly woman. And here's Anthea pictured in her gorgeous kitchen. Just... She lived near your mum. Because they had to downsize, didn't they? I think they went from a £20 million house to a £10 million house or something like that. Oh, dear. Let's talk about stuck up. God, didn't have... Best friends, Richard and Judy. I rest my case. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Paul says, with your voices, is I've just texted Jordan, Chantel, Colleen, and the talentless Only Wears Essex lot to call. It could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them to get their own back. <laughs> you don't think they know how to use a telephone, do you? They're far too dim for that. You don't think Jordan actually does her own... T- Come on, blimey. I shouldn't imagine she'd pick up a receiver. And as for poor uh, Chantel, nothing going on between the ears there. And the Only Wears Essex? <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm now starting a campaign... I'm starting a campaign to get rid of uh, Sam Fahir's sister, Billy. I mentioned her briefly yesterday because there was a, a little piece in one of the papers about her. And I suddenly realised she doesn't do anything. She just sits there and they sit on the settee being two bimbos. You've got, um, you've got uh, sort of Sam Fahir's. That's the one with the little piggy eyes. And then the sister who's marginally more attractive, who's not putting her boyfriend on the television because he doesn't want to be exposed to that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and you can understand it. I can understand that. But I think I need a campaign to get her off the television completely because all they've got is a little shop selling a few frocks. And uh, it's not enough. It's not enough, I'm afraid. Um, Charlie 
says, Steve, you should be off or you'll throw it. Together. She's in the ra- she's in radio as well. She's telling me to get off the radio. That's JK's other half. And she says, melt some of your manuka honey in hot water and gargle with aspirin. Worked when I had glandular fever. Well, I've, I've done the, I'm on the 25 plus manuka honey. I spent 41 quid yesterday on a, on a pot of manuka. I mean, I'm seriously, seriously got the stuff. But um, I, I still feel the same. Michael, the painter in Enfield, says, Mama's hot piping chicken soup, crusty bread to soak everything up, and 20 hours rest. <gasps> oh, that sounds lovely, doesn't it? Some chicken, oh, some cream of chicken soup. Some ch- ooh, cream of chicken soup, oh, with crusty bread, with butter on it, and you can dunk it in. Oh, oh, that's, that's kind of got me going a bit this morning. Mind you, we've done all right. We've done, we've done 45 minutes. It's a bit like an audition, isn't it? Bit like an emergency. It's a bit like an emergency. It's a bit like a, an audition. Um, Trevor said to me yesterday, he said, did the hungry pack of screaming girl groupies assembled outside Global Towers this morning find you, or were you smuggled out in the boot of the Bentley? I just walked out the front door, and I said to them, the wanted have gone, and they wouldn't believe me. Courtney told them, I told them, Oz told them, everybody told Dave Berry told them. Didn't make any difference. No, they're still in there. No, they went. You can't, you can't convince these kids of anything, can you, nowadays? They know best. They know best. 14 minutes to five. This is LBC 97. Morning. He says, try to sound chiff. I'm trying to take my voice up an octave. Didn't kind of work, did it, really? But never mind. No, the, the sore throat from yesterday, because of the coughing that's made, that's aggravated it. So I think today, I think some soup. Soup and crusty bread. In fact, the more I think about it, the more it's... We talked about it yesterday morning. In the end, I'd, I'd convinced myself that I was going home to soup, but I didn't go home to soup for some reason. I don't know why. I've got loads of soup at home. I've got tomato. But now I fancy cream of chicken. I mean, it's actually known... It's a Jewish, Jewish penicillin, isn't it? Chicken soup. But it's a clear soup. You could still do it with crusty bread. <laughs> still do it with crusty bread. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, this one came in from Tracy. And uh, Tracy... Uh, it says, I've just been to collect a Chinese takeaway from my local in Billericay. Tried to enter the shop, but there were two men outside chatting away with cameras in their hands. I went in and they opened the door and were chatting to this lady about something she'd posted on Twitter. Didn't pay much attention. The lady behind the counter kept calling this woman to tell her the order was ready and then said to the woman her name, and she said, Chantelle. As she went to leave, the two men started taking photos. I started to laugh and said, oh, for God's sake, how pathetic. She turned round and said, what did you say? And started to walk towards me. I didn't answer. She then left and loads more pictures were taken. We all laughed and watched as they all got into the same car and drove off. I thought, how very sad her life must be when she has to stoop this low being photographed ordering a Chinese. So in other words, if this picture surfaces of Chantel ordering a Chinese... And, and it pictures up in OK magazine. The photographers arrived with her in the car. Okay, <coughs> just thought we'd let you that uh, let you know that now because uh, we like to tell you the truth behind the pictures, as opposed to oh here's Chantel just popping out. And um, apparently, you know, she does take her own photographers with her. So she, I mean, she is pathetic. There's no two ways about it. I should, and also because of the speed at which she gets through her relationships. You can imagine there must be something the matter with her. She's not all there. I mean, I remember watching her on um, on the so-called Celebrity Big Brother. She wasn't a celebrity. Mind you, they put Preston on there. He wasn't a celebrity either. And I went to watch the other day, and I have to... <clears throat> it does make me laugh. It's the bit where Preston walks off 
Never mind the Buzzcocks with Simon Amstel. And Simon Amstel produces Chantel's book, Living the Dream, and starts reading out bits from it. And uh, Preston that gets up and walks out. It's hilarious. And it was, it was just after that <clears throat> that Preston's career disappeared. There is no, no career for Preston at all. I don't even know if the group's still going. I suppose he's still surviving on the money that him and Chantel conned out of the, uh, the magazines and the newspapers. You know, we're getting married or we're in love and all the rest of it. And I thought, this is going to come back and bite you on the bum. And, of course, it has in Chantel's case. Because nobody wants to go out with her. You know, she's fake from top to bottom. She's got a stupid voice. There's nothing... There's no, there's no sort of saving grace at all, I'm afraid, with her. And, and I just feel a bit sorry for her. Like, you know, Tracy was saying, she said to her in the... Oh, God. She said to her in the, in the shop, how pathetic. And then sort of Chantel said, what did you say? <clears throat> and think, you're pathetic. Get a job... Do something properly, because I don't know how long you think this is going to go for. I mean, it's already bad enough for poor old Kerry Coke-Toner. Her career's practically stagnant. There's nothing going on there. I think, oh, and I tell a lie, I think she's pitching up on um, an ITV2 show, which is reuniting <clears throat> bands and sort of going back. But, of course, if you remember, as far as I remember, <coughs> excuse me, I thought Kerry Coke-Toner left Atomic Kitten before they had any hits. I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty cer- I could be wrong on that one, but I'm pretty, pretty certain. Uh, Dawn wrote me a very long letter. I might have to, I might just sort of save that for a little bit later. Well, I can sort of gear myself up for it, Dawn, if you don't mind. It's quite a lot of reading for this time of the morning. Uh, Please take care, says Noreen. The cough's not getting any better. Glad the ink on with Suggs went very well yesterday. And Tommy Steele on Sunday. Yes, the legend that is Tommy Steele will be in conversation on Sunday. So between... It's going to be hilarious this week, isn't it? Uh, we're going to have the best of Steve Allen. I don't think we'll be taking anything from this programme. <coughs> and, um, and then it'll be in conversation. So between five and seven, Sunday morning, it's Steve Allen. And you can download. <laughs> the best I can offer you this morning. I'm terribly sorry. And... Um, did you say you were going to the Royal Variety Show this year? 100th anniversary? Yes. This year, the invite comes with a letter. You've got to take some identification with you as well, like your passport or your driving licence. Which is lovely, isn't it? I like that idea. Take your Manuka honey, says Noreen. <coughs> I am. I'm taking the Manuka honey. Maureen in Wilsdon said you should take your tea with honey. I said you already were. She also said Duncan should have stayed on for a little bit. Oh, no, you can't ask him to do that. The, the, I, I could see the look in his eye. The look in his eye was Kentucky Fried Chicken, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Something fatty, something very fatty on the way home. I, I saw that straight away. There was no mention of, you know, could I, because at the beginning of the programme, strangely enough, it sounded actually OK. <clears throat> it's only when you start talking that it, uh, that it does, start, um, does start getting a bit worse, I'm afraid. Poor old Patsy's got it as well. She's got the cold. She says, hope your cough's under control. Yeah, the cough's under control, just about. It's the, uh, it's the sore throat. Be doctors listening now and people in A&E going, you're only going to make it worse. Only going to make it worse. She says, uh, how many times have I told you, says Patsy, don't go out without a ground sheet. <laughs> it's such a, such a good line, isn't it? And uh, hello to all the gang, she says. Noreen, David, Janice and little Julie for their kind wishes. Because once, well, once we all get colds, you get no end of uh, things from people saying, hope, you, hope you're better soon, hope you're going to go well. Uh, on the subject of uh, sore throats, Nicholas says you sound like Deirdre Barlow. Or Ken. Oh, that was quite good, actually. I was quite impressed with that. Or Ken, I love you. <laughs> oh, there's a, a whole new avenue. I wonder if any of my other impressions were... Not that any of my impressions have ever worked on this programme. I've tried a few over the years. You know, Prince Charles. No, that doesn't sound. Sounds far too deep. But it, you're right. I sound like Deirdre Barlow. Ken. 
She does a lot of that, doesn't she, on Coronation Street? She's, she's, had, a, she's had a traumatic life. A very traumatic life, poor soul. Um, <clears throat> Val says, did you see Biggins on Loose Women yesterday? He was as brilliant as ever. Your voice sounds deep and sexy. Please, please don't go sick. It's half term and I'm off this week. And it's lovely to get up at four and listen, even though I can't podcast. She says, I cancelled my leave on the first weekend of December, as you won't be at the Mermaid. No. Well, I'd be, be lucky to make it through the year, the way I'm feeling at the moment. Lovely Bryn and Annie. He says, uh, Annie and I sympathise deeply with your current problem. I have suffered relaxed throats, not necessarily sore throats by the dozen over my 62-year career, and I've even worked through whole weekend conferences with them. There is no instant cure but a couple of suggestions. Crooks, Carvel are marvellous. You ca- I don't know what they are. Have you heard of these before? Crooks, Carvel? No. You cut a couple, spread them on a handkerchief and simply keep breathing through it before every announcement. My family swear by them. Alba sweets and inhalant again, spread on a hanky. He says, what, I know it's too late for this morning, he said, but when you get home, the biggest saviour is rest, rest, sleep, sleep, sleep. However, before dropping off, two things, either a couple of drops of Carvel gels or drops of Olbus into boiling water and inhale that for as long as you can. Then a mixture of whiskey, glycerin and lemon and then go to bed as long as possible. Sadly, there is no instant cure and all the cough syrups and the like to me were absolutely blooming useless. Well, that's exactly, uh, Bryn and Annie, how I feel at the moment. Um, you know, I do buy it <clears throat> and I've got, it's, you're right, you just have to, it has to work itself out the system. So... Another little spray of my chloroseptic. I'll be drinking chloroseptic by the end of this programme. Uh, to, it, it is a pain, actually. There's nothing you can do about it. You're right. You have to just work it out the system. Then eventually it gets a little bit better. And uh, Neil says, what with you being an honorary Arsenal fan? Don't start that one. I'll get into dreadful trouble. He says, it was a great night for us Arsenal fans. Steve, I bet you're so pleased. We came back from being 4-0 down. He says, try and sound interested. Reading 5. Oh, sorry. Arsenal 7. Oh, God, even more boring. He says, I'm sure I could hear you celebrating last night. He said, did you get the manuka? I've tried it. Found it very sticky once. It's been rubbed into the chest. Dose yourself up. He said, Noreen worries about you. And he said, a little Halloween quick, quickie. Why do witches wear name tags? So they can tell which witch is which. Okay? It's the best you're going to get this morning. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't summon up the energy for that one at all. <laughs> and uh, exactly, Dan has got the same as me. He said, morning, Steve. He said, I've had the cough, done a night boss. Uh, done a night boss. Done a night bus. And he said, and lost my blooming voice. Well, that's where I'm at at the stage. The difference is, Dan, you don't necessarily have to speak to anybody on the bus. You just go, mm, just nod. I got that from a, a bus driver the other day, just nodded, and I nodded back. But uh, unfortunately, doing this programme, you kind of can't just nod. Otherwise, it would be a very dull programme. Paul says, you now sound like the man who does the milk tray advert. No, no, no. I think definitely Deirdre Barlow. Ken. I can see it now. Save the Weatherfield one. Ken. I love it. Oh, there was another woman in Coronation Street. I can't remember what her name was, but she died. There were a couple of them. Percy Sugden and some woman he was after, I think. Uh, Carvel, we have found. They says, for blocked up noses and congestion due to head cold. Well, I don't have a head cold. That's the trouble. I don't have a cold. I've just got the sore throat. And I know where I got it from as well. Somebody passed it on to me, you know, and just, you know, let's share, share alike. Because the trouble is, when you're in this building, because of all the air conditioning, it's, uh, it's a bit difficult 
Because once... Uh, I'm not congested at all. No, no. No, perfect. It's just the... Um, I feel like scraping my throat with something. I don't know what. Sandpaper, I suppose. So what we'll do, we'll take a short break for the, uh, for the news at uh, five o'clock. I shall have a little cough, a little wheeze in the corner, drink some more cold water, drink some more Manuka honey in hot water. And we take more of your texts and emails. So don't forget, this coming Sunday, Tommy Steele is in conversation. He's back at the Palladium as well. He's doing Scrooge the Musical. If you want a good Christmas show, something that's put you in a good mood over the festive season, and don't we all... It's nice. I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm, I've started sorting out the cards I'm going to be sending this year because I like to send lots of cards. with sort of, But they've got to be Christmassy cards. So some, some of the pictures I see on the front of Christmas cards now, what they've got to do with Christmas, I've got no idea. A bit pagan, I know, but uh, you still can't beat a robin sitting on a, a garden gate which is covered in snow. The gate, that is, not, not the robin, otherwise you wouldn't see it at all. Robin would have drowned. But I do feed robins down by the riverbank. I know they're there all year, but at winter you see them more. And they like mealworms. Somebody sent me in very kindly a short while ago, this big bag of stuff, and it was robin food. And so I've, I've got on my iPhone a robin noise. It's a robin twittering, because robins are very solitary. And I don't know I'm telling you this, actually. It's of no interest to anybody at all. And so what I do, I go out there, and I play the robin sound, and it comes out, and I feed them. I really must get a life, actually. I'm quite clearly losing the plot this morning, aren't I? So, News at Five is coming up. It's LBC 97.3. It is Steve Allen. I know it sounds like Deirdre Barlow, but I promise you, it's Steve Allen till 6.30. Morning! Yes, morning. Try to stand. If you've just woken up, yes, it is Steve Allen. It's not Deirdre Barlow. I promise you it is Steve Allen. And uh, we're having a bit of a coughing session and a bit of a sore throat session. And uh, Sam's got it. We've all got it. And then my friend JK says, stop being such a big girl. Nice no sympathies around there. No, no Vic rubbed in my chest on that one, I suppose. <clears throat> That's what I was going to get, actually. I was going to go and get some Vic Vapor rub today and rub that on my chest. I don't know why I think that'll make a difference. Because we're looking at Carvol Vapor Rub. But I think that's for, um, <coughs> excuse me, that's for children, isn't it, Carvol? I'm pretty certain all the pictures on it look like it's, they're sort of little children. I mean, I don't know whether it's strong enough for me. I mean, Bryn, Bryn swears by it, so I suppose it must be okay, actually. So I've, I've taken my Manuka, the 25 plus, stretch 40 pounds, it was, 41 pounds, I think. It's a big jar, so that's all right. And we've got loads of water, and we've got, um, <laughs> we've got the, uh, Ultra chloroseptic. It's rubbish, isn't it, really? It is rubbish. Somebody says here, it's the Deirdre Barlow show on LBC 97.3, now taking a fag break while the news is on. <laughs> God. Somebody said to me the other day, actually, I bumped into a friend of mine, who I don't see him for years, and he said, he said, you're not still smoking, are you? I said, I haven't smoked for about 12 years. Although, this morning, you know, I'm, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to be suffering quite badly. Uh, and Anne says, your voice is your career. You're damaging your voice. It needs relaxation or it leads to loss of voice. Oh, listen, believe you me, over the years that I've been doing the business, I know exactly how to control it. I know exactly what to do about it because uh, I've had this before. I've only ever lost my voice once. Only once. I've told you the story before of how I was recording a pilot for a TV show. Not for me. It was for Terry Wogan. And we've rehearsed it at the studios, and it was fine, and we had the celebrities coming in, and it involved dressing up. And on the morning that we were due to do it, my voice went. And I wasn't ill or anything, I just had no voice. So I phoned them up, and I said, I knew what the answer was going to be. I said, I'm ever so sorry, but I've lost my voice. And it was always like that. And they went, 
well, we can't cancel it. We've got the studio booked. Terry Wogan's coming down with his producers and agents and everything else. So we had to do it with no voice. It was, the, it was the funny... I mean, looking back, it was the biggest nightmare ever. And I know that you can lose your voice if you have a shock or something like that. People have been known to lose their, their voices. It's like, you know, sort of being dropped on your head and then you wake up and you can't remember anything from the last 30 years or something like that. Um, Claire says, looking forward to Tommy Steele on Sunday. I saw Scrooge at Woking Theatre last year. Amazing. Special effects by the man who did Ghost. Yes, that's Paul Keeve. Who, Darren... You know, the gadget guru, he used to share a flat with Paul Keeve, because they both do, both do magic. So there you go. Uh, Pete the cabbie. Morning, Pete. That's not my Pete, is it? Well, I say my... Because I was telling the story about my friend Peter the cabbie the other day. And he says, buy Help the Hero Christmas cards. Yes, I t- well, I tell you what, I don't buy those. I do give to Help for Heroes. But uh, I buy uh, Diabetes UK Christmas cards, or sometimes... And we also got Hallmark cards this year as well, uh, which I gave to the producer, so she's very happy. Very happy about that, so it saved her a little bit of money. And um, I also use British Heart Foundation cards as well. I don't, uh, I don't buy the charity cards that they split it between lots and lots of different charities, because that, you know, the charity's going to get like a penny or something stupid. And check, when you see these packs of cards in WH Smith's or wherever, and it says, you know, charity cards, check how much goes to the charity. <clears throat> because if it says this pack of cards is £2.50, but only 10 pence goes to the charity, don't bother. I would rather you made, it's not up to me, I know, but I'd rather you made a donation <clears throat> to the particular charity of your choice. That way the money goes there. If you're splitting it between lots of different charities, it's hardly worth bothering. You know, a penny of this goes to that, or 20 pence here and there. It's just, I know they all add up, but to be honest with you, go, go to the actual charity. It's much better for you. And we do give charity cards in this country. I don't know if they do them around the world. But we have lots and lots of charity Christmas cards. Um, Kerry Katona, Steve, was briefly in Atomic Kitten before they were famous. She performed on the video for the song Hole Again. She then left the band. After that, the song reached number one. That was her music career. Yes, I mean, and she can't sing for a toffee. But I remember her being on television. And I can... There are certain things that I remember. And I remembered her being on Loose Women when she was going through her show-off phase, which, in fact, is practically every day. She's a silly little show-off. You know, and I remember seeing her on the television and thinking, you've done yourself no favours. And she became quite snooty with the women on the panel and said, oh, I've made a million out of singing. I thought, no, you haven't. You wouldn't have made thruppence, darling. You wouldn't have made thruppence. She was never there for any of the hits and she can't sing. She was put into the group and then she was taken out again because she's a waste of space. Total waste of space. Her, her mother... It's the kids I feel sorry for. You can't actually stop people having children, but uh, sadly, in her case... I remember when she sat down and explained to the kids about... And this is Mummy talking about cocaine. And the kids are like seven and eight, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I mean, how low can you get? Any other country, the kids have been taken into care. Probably a much better option, I should imagine. Uh, Peter Andre was in all the papers yesterday. That was the laugh we had yesterday, I'm afraid. Peter Andre wants to get married to this girl that he's going out with at the moment. Peter is 40. She's about 23, and he's talking about kids. No interview with her at all. She's obviously just surplus to requirements. You know, she's just sort of there, and it's, it's some little vehicle for Peter Andre. Oh, I love her, and I do this. And then the funniest thing, Peter Andre and his column, it was in one of the magazines next door. I was reading it while I was waiting for Suggs. And um, Peter Andre said, oh, I'd like to say thank you to... Oh, who's that Gino DeCampo, the chef about something? And I thought, well, why are you doing it in your column? Why don't you just pick up the phone? 
Well, quite clearly, he doesn't have his phone number because poor, poor old Pete's life is a bit vacuous and empty. He sort of plugs his little coffee shop. He talks about what a dull week he's had and puts in, I think, three pictures of him and the kids. Talk about exploitative. Dreadful. Dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at Paul says, in conversation with Tommy Steele and Deirdre Barlow. <laughs> Chantelle should be nicknamed Seaweed. Even the tide won't take her out. Thank you. It's an old one, isn't it? Oh, blimey, I don't get any older than that one. Lots and lots of your uh, emails this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Sandra says, thank you for mentioning the Thundershirt for dogs. Because I mentioned this on the programme last week, because my friend Michael has got three dogs. <clears throat> and they're... I think the voice is getting a bit better, actually. It sounds a bit better now. But anyway, he's got three dogs, but they don't like fireworks. So he's bought this Thundershirt. And what it is, it's effectively... And if you think about it, it's a bit like cuddling babies... It's that warm feeling you feel. And if you put this coat on a dog, it makes it feel as though it's being cuddled. And it makes it less afraid. He said he's got a hell of a job making it stay awake. This Thundershirt sends it to sleep. And anyway, so Sandra bought one. She says, my dog wouldn't sleep downstairs after an eye operation and yelped all night until he went down to comfort her. This went on for two weeks. She's had the shirt for three days now. And she's now sleeping through the night without making a sound. And we're all getting some sleep. I tell you, it does seem like... Now, I'm not... You know, I'm not associated with this company or any way, shape or form. I just Michael mentioned it to me and I mentioned it on the programme and immediately loads of you picked up on it. It's called a Thundershirt for dogs and it makes them feel as though they're being wrapped up in a blanket. It fits snugly and whatever it is, they sleep. Don't ask me how it works. I have no idea. But if Sandra says it works and my friend Mike swears by it, then uh, that could be the thing. You have to go on to the... Uh, the internet and find it, because I, I wouldn't even know where, where you got the thing from. Not a clue, I'm afraid. Um, <clears throat> Paul says, talking of annoying people, I watched Jeff Brazier on the television. I watched Open Mouths. He's totally awful. How did he get the gig? Uh, sympathy. And I think the producer fancied him. <laughs> that was what the idea with Jeff Brazier. Because, uh, I don't know if Carl Newton fancied him or not. But, anyway, but they actually put him on there. And to be honest with you, he's just a little Essex boy who can't talk. It's a, it's a bit of a worry, actually. And, of course, he, he only got anywhere because of his association with Jade Goody. That was the only reason. That was the only reason. Um, <clears throat> 84850, steve at uh, Sandy Intensified. This is, it seems funny when you give a hurricane a name, doesn't it? Before going post-tropical. Unusual for a hurricane, but it's late in the season. I did the marathon 25 years ago. Meant to be on Sunday, since it was born on the... 22nd of October, Sandy has now covered 2,000 miles and it's moving into Canada. Yes, we, we knew about Canada yesterday because we talked about it on the, uh, on the programme. Uh, Julie says, yes, chicken soup. Wishing you well too, Patsy, she says, because we're all suffering. And I think we need to send good wishes to uh, for old Sam Pitters. He's got the same blooming thing, hasn't he? Uh, one here that says, you sound like you've been smoking 40 capstan full strength for 40 years. I like the Deirdre Barlow impression, but I think you sound more like Phyllis Pierce from Coronation Street. Eh, Percy. Do you remember? That was, that was the name I couldn't think of, thank you. Also have the dreaded sore throat, cough, cold and hardly any voice. My work colleague, says David, are delighted. <clears throat> yes, round here, they don't, they don't care. Not, if, even, even if JK doesn't care, in fact, he said anything, I mean, how, how upsetting is that going to be for me today? I should probably never recover from the, from the shock. Chantelle appeared on the Eamon Holmes morning show. I couldn't understand why she was there. Apparently the cage-fighting boyfriend had left her. She blubbed. 
and blubbed and sobbed endlessly about what has been happening in her boring life and how she's now a single mother. She did say one thing to reassure us of her welfare, and that was she had lots of money and her baby need not worry. Oh, that's good. That's good. She's managed to make some money. She doesn't work, though, for a living. She's what we used to call in my day Skyver. You know, somebody like that who just doesn't work at all. It was, like, very funny. You know, we had this this uh, tramp in uh, in Twickenham, and he died. Uh, he never did. He never did any work. He never. He never did much work at all. I'm afraid. Um, and he died the other day of a heroin overdose. And sadly, uh, people. Oh, was Aunt Payne? Has he? Has he tweeted me? Oh right. Oh right. Sorry. We're, we're, we're now tweeting with the Capital Radio presenter. It's more exciting every day, actually. And um, yes, we're both meant to be working. How are we doing? How's it? Well, of course, he's all right because he actually gets. Um, he gets longer gaps. I can't find him. Oh, wait a minute. Cap, uh, Ant got a mention on Steve Allen's show this morning. Sadly, no podcast today. He's got no voice. I know. And Ant then says, my career has just peaked. <laughs> Poor soul. <coughs> See? Brought Robbie Cough back now. Wish you'd not mentioned it. Anyway, it's quarter past five. News headlines with Sam Pittis. A massive clean-up operation's underway in the northeast. Alan. Morning. I love the idea that Ant's career has now peaked. This is, uh, this is one of our, our sister stations, Capital. And he's got the early show as well. He does four till six. And then Dave Berry. I bumped into Dave Berry again the other day. I'm surrounded by sickeningly good-looking and thin people. It really is terribly depressing. I've never been. I've never been in such a company where we had the figures meeting the other week when we all got a bit excited, and um, and and we were all sort of there. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, God, they're all half my age. They're all they're so young. These people nowadays. But I think I suppose age comes. You know, with age comes wisdom. Well, technically, that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, unfortunately, not all the time. But uh, you know, you've got Imran downstairs. So I think I'm, I'm throughout the whole building today, which is quite. I quite like that. Though. You get in the lift, and I was listening to Duncan in the lift. And uh, I think that's quite good. Because I bump into, into people and I'm getting a cup of coffee downstairs with Sven, who go, listen to you this morning. I think, I wish I had. Because <laughs> I can't... People say, she just, the producer just said to me a minute ago, I mean, I ask you, she said, what were we talking about before the news where we mentioned Ant? And I looked at her blankly and we just... No idea. Can't remember. It's not scripted or anything like that. We can't work to script... Can you imagine if this, if this programme was scripted at what, at what time you'd have to arrive in the morning to start doing everything. Anyway... Anyway, Dawn sent in a very long email, and I shall, I shall go with it for as long as I can. And it says, my signed Matt Cardle album, because you know she sent off and she got a signed Matt Cardle album, Arrive the Fire. She said, it's great. I'll be keeping an eye on the charts on Sunday to see how it does. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. She said what position it gets, so I like it. And you were right when you thought it was me that had ordered the deluxe version of Peter Andre's album, Angels and Demons, and that my name is going to be in the album artwork. I'm still waiting for that to arrive. I know it was sent first class on Monday, so hopefully it should be with me soon. And um, Peter Andre is doing the, the O2 arena, not the, not the Indigo. He's not going to sell it out, is he, Dawn? He's not going to sell that one out. She says, I won't be going to that one. I'm happy enough with just buying the album. And on the extra podcast on Monday, you were listing artists and bands on tour. Adamant is just about to start his UK tour, starting in Glasgow. He's got his first single in over 17 years, Cool Zombie. I've downloaded it from iTunes and also ordered a seven-inch vinyl too. And I love it. It's very Adam Ant sounding. He's got, uh, he finishes on the 30th of November in London at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. 
So for those people who want uh, to go see Adamant, Dawn can keep us up to date with what's going on. I think she's going to that one. And uh, one last thing, she says, Bon Jovi have announced some UK tour dates for their tour next year. A limited number of tickets on the UK tour are going to be on sale for £12.50 each for cash-strapped fans. That makes a change from the huge prices the Rolling Stones were going to charge. So, uh, good for you. She's always one for a bargain, is Dawn. If ever there's a bargain going on, she knows exactly where it is and how how to get hold of these things. Uh, Other stories in the papers today, apart from the Mirror, who've done loads of... (coughs) Excuse me. Pictures of um, of their Pride of Britain awards, which was uh, uh, not last night, night before. Uh, now they've got pictures carrying on from that. Uh, Neil said, "Morning, Deirdre." He said, "I'm laughing out loud every time you say Ken." Actually, it sounded a bit deeper a minute ago, didn't it? <laughs> he says, "Have you been gargling gravel?" <laughs> it's a thought, isn't it? It is a thought. Put the vapor rub on your feet. As it makes the germs travel through your body. Do you know, I had, I had a good session with my feet yesterday. I was talking to some... I think I was talking to Susan Bookbinder. And, uh, well, oh, some, she just comes up and starts talking. It's a bit embarrassing in the office. You know, I mean, quite clearly she's after a relationship or something. And I've said to her, listen, you know, I'm happy to remain single and, uh, and eating. And she's always bringing food in. She apparently sits at home. She's a bit like Mrs Beaton. Well, she's not, she doesn't look like Mrs Beaton, quite clearly. And, uh, and she always brings food. She would like a bit of food. And, of course, I don't eat any food that comes in from anybody's kitchen unless I've seen a health certificate. And she doesn't have a health certificate for a kitchen. But she's bringing food in here, so I, I only eat wrapped food. But uh, I always say hello to her every day, because every day she wears a different outfit. And I think she's a little bit like Adina in, uh, in Ab Fab, where she goes to the wardrobe with a divining stick and goes, um, um, try and find me an outfit. Because every day she's got these outfits. And the shoes... The shoes, you've never seen anything like it. She must have a... I think she's got a whole room for shoes. My friend Lynn has got a whole room, which is her wardrobe, and it's got all the clothes. They're all colour-coordinated. She's terribly organised. I mean, I wish I could be so organised. Lynn is amazing. All her shoes, colour-coordinated. You know, from dark to light and back the other way, and all her jumpers, all her dresses, and everything. It's just really clever. There's probably loads of you listening at the moment who are a little bit like that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Carol... Says Steve, very excited about Tommy Steele in conversation. Saw him in Singing in the Rain at the Palladium. We'll never forget his bubbling performance. Hope the throat improves soon. And that's Carol and my devoted Facebookers. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a good interview. I can't remember afterwards what we talked about. I cannot tell you what we talked about in the interview. I just know we got on really well. But then, you know, with hand on heart, I get on really well with all my guests. <laughs> you know, we... <laughs> can't help it, it's just the way it is, isn't it? That's why it works, I suppose. Uh, Sandra bought the Thunder shirt in Pets at Home Pet Shop. OK? I don't, know, I don't know how much they are, actually. Do you know how much they are, Sandra? Can you enlighten us on that one, please? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, very quickly, um, another one here. This is... Uh, oh, Paul on chloroseptic. He says, heard you saying you're using the chloroseptic spray. I expect the sugar-free one, but you're only supposed to spray it three times to the back of your throat and not repeated every two or three hours. You'll do yourself a damage. I know, but it's actually, it's, it's sounding a bit better, isn't it? Was it not sounding better? Oh, was, oh, a little bit better. I thought it was sounding a little bit better. Uh, Jill Summers played Phyllis Pierce. She was the mother of Maureen, Sherry Houston's character. Oh, we used to love Phyllis Pierce, Paul. Oh, did we love Phyllis Pierce. Oh, lovely. Oh, dear me, I'll tell you. She was one of those great characters. Where at the moment, in Coronation Street, you've got that silly woman, Mary, who's such a ludicrous character. I, I turn the television off when she comes on, I'm sorry to say. 
Not, not normally the sort of thing I would do, but it's just not believable. It's just not believable. It's just, it's bad writing, it's bad everything. Jimmy Savile, oh, I promised not to mention Jimmy Savile this morning, so I'm, I'm going to try and stick with it. All right, I'll just do this very quick story that's in the paper today. And it's of, uh, this is uh, Mr Eager. This is uh, Dave Eager, a close friend of Jimmy Savile. And he said, uh, he told the Sun last night, I should be punished. He says here, uh, the 70s were the 70s. We were having fun. A lot of it was a bit of a blur because we were all having a bit of fun. When I read in the papers something about a nine-year-old boy or whatever, I think, this can't be real. I just don't recognise this. So you end up blaming yourself. I just don't know what's going on. I feel I should be punished. And he was very distraught when Jimmy Savile died. I think Dave Eager, if if memory serves, is a very well-known radio presenter up there on on Merseyside. And um, he he dubbed himself the Eager Helper. And he turned up uh, at his funeral wearing his uh, Jim Will Fix It badge and his sweatshirt. He said, I looked up to him for years and then it's, wow. And that's what it is. So uh, they have a picture of the paper of... uh, of uh, Jimmy Savile just days before he died. I think he was 84 or something like that. He says, everybody knows Jim was a canny fella. Compared to Jim, I'm insignificant, but he was mixing with people who were equally as shrewd and canny, and he had a reputation to protect. <clears throat> it's going to go on, isn't it? It's going to go for, for some time. I don't think it's uh, not. There's some lovely jobs in the papers uh, that uh, that Brits applied for. There's one here. I can't be the only one who loves to sing in the shower, right? And that's because the setting alone enhances the audio quality. Um, would you like to come and sing in the shower with me? You know, not not both in the same shower. He's got twin showers, this person. He said, and, uh, you know, uh, it's not, you know, for you to see me naked, we'd be in separate showers singing communally. Because I know people talk about singing in the shower. I've never done it. I've never sung in the shower. And people say, oh, the acoustics are great in the bathroom. <laughs> not my bathroom. Not my bathroom. So uh, there's one here. Somebody wants a sock sorter. Somebody to go in and say, you see, I've got the answer. Throw them away. Throw them away. Throw them out. Don't keep them. And so he's got hundreds of socks here. He says, I want somebody to rummage through and pair them up. I mean, you know, you don't want to touch somebody else's socks, do you, really? There's also somebody looking for somebody to make them a good cup of tea. You know, gone are the days, well, I mean, there's probably a few of you out there this morning who still make what I call a pot of tea. In other words, you warm the pot, then you put the, the leaf tea in, and, uh, you know, after you've warmed the pot, you swill it round, throw it away, put the leaf tea in, and then you let it brew, and you sit there, and you... I don't know how long you're supposed to leave it to brew for, but it's got to be the right colour, and then you pour out that first cup of tea of the day. That's what some people still do. Many of us pick up a tea bag, drop it in a cup of hot water, push it around with a spoon, and then add some milk. Take the tea bag out, throw it away. My mother used to save the tea tea leaves, and we'd put them on the garden. They were apparently very good for the garden. In fact, actually, most stuff was recycled in the early days without us, <coughs> excuse me, without us even realising that uh, that we were recycling. It's strange, isn't it? Because now somebody asked me the other day, "Do I recycle?" And I went, "No." I really don't. We've got... Re- I know, and I get into trouble. People go, mm, wagging their fingers at me like I'm sort of, you know, some really naughty person for not recycling. I can't be bothered. I can't be... I've got better things to do in my life than start sorting out my cardboard boxes. Again. You know, I don't want to do things like that. It's not my kind of thing at all. Other people do it. <clears throat> and that's fine for them. It's like, you know, people who are vegetarian. I've often, you know... Pe- luckily enough, all the vegetarians I know, they've never said to me, you should go vegetarian, Steve. They've never, ever said anything like that to me. And I thought I probably could. 
You know, if I really wanted to, it's not all nut roast, is it? Or something like that. It must be very difficult if you're a vegan and there's certain things that you can eat. It must be a nightmare. I've got a friend of mine who's actually quite ill. He's got lots of complications. And so going out for dinner is a big problem because he can't eat this, can't eat that, can't have this, can't have that. That makes him sick, that makes him sick. And occasionally he'll have something as a treat and it makes him really ill. A bit like me and having, you know, sort of... You can always tell when I'm sort of hyper because I'll, you know, we'll race through the programme in about five seconds flat. Whereas this morning I'm kind of doing it in stages. I'm thinking to myself, I, 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 want to, I want to apply for the job of singing in the shower with somebody and I want to make somebody a nice cup of tea in the morning because I'm, I'm very good at making a, making a good cup of tea. Um, One Direction have got a new album. In fact, it's all happening, I think. I think The Wanted have got their single out. Look at me doing pop stuff now. God, blimey. I'm heading for capital, I can tell. And um, the, the Wanted have got their single out next week. One Direction have got an album out. And uh, penned by lots and lots of different people. Lots and lots of different people have added to this one. And um, Gordon Smart's Bizarre Column has just done a whole free advert for them. Obviously, he couldn't be bothered to write anything else. So all he's done is they just send him in the album... And he then listens to it and writes some words around it. It's not complicated. And so the rest of it is then taken up with a bit of PR puff for uh, Nicole Scherzinger, uh, the Cosmo Woman of the Year. Apparently, Nicole Scherzinger is, I think, Woman of the Year. I think also, I don't know, Ultimate Fun Fearless Female. Or something like that. They come up with these quasi awards. I could do the Steve Allen Awards. You know, and and you could just nominate people and then they, they turn up and you give them a certificate work well for other people. Uh, 84850, steve at if you just turn on the radio. It's nice to have your company. Yes, I am a little bit Deirdre Barlow this morning, but I'm struggling with it. But don't worry, we'll make it through to the end, because it's only 5.30. Morning. Tw- oh, that sounded a bit better, didn't it? Oh, that's... La, 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 la. No, practically back to normal, I think, now. Well, as normal as you can be at this time. 26 minutes to six. Come on, London and elsewhere. Wakey, wakey. I was going to tell you the story, because at the beginning of the programme, if you, when you podcast this, you will think that I'm just about going to die. I'm just about on my last legs. It's actually, it's, it's got a bit better, actually, in this last few minutes. It's definitely got a bit better. Anyway, and I was going to tell you the story of the fact that we have what we call emergency tape. So, in other words, if we need to evacuate the building, all of a sudden we will put a... It's called a tape, but it's not a tape. It's on the computer. And it'll be, you know, an in-conversation or something like that. And I've recorded some links for it. And so if, if that goes out, you know that we've left the building or something's happened, or in my case, the voice has disappeared completely. And I remember years and years ago, Clive Bull was not very well one night. So they replayed an old Clive Bull programme. They, they replayed the programme from the day before. And nobody knew. They didn't say we're replaying. They just played it out as a normal programme. And it was quite funny because people are phoning up saying, oh, can I have a chat to Clive? And they go, uh, sadly not. And they go, well, he's asked for calls on this particular, and um, I've been on before. Do you think, this is last night's programme, you're just hearing it again. It was so funny. Nobody ever said a word. Some people, a serious, the switchboard lit up with people who just wanted to talk to Clive. But what they were listening to was a repeat of a programme from the day before. They just, they just re-put it out again. Very clever. I mean, mean, you could probably do that now. You know, if I came in the morning and went, morning, started doing my stories about... <coughs> Excuse me, Chantel or anything like that. Nobody would know. People phone up, I think, with, with the best of Ferrari over the weekend and, uh, and ask to speak to him. And then, mind you, people download the best of Steve Allen on a Sunday, which is very funny because you must have already had it one time before. But then, as I've said before, you can never have too many podcasts. You can never have too many downloads. 
Horrible thing happened in Portsmouth the other day. It really annoys me. I, get, I, I wind myself up over something which, you know, we could sort out quite easily with a submachine gun or a neutron bomb. And it's a ceremony at a D-Day museum, which was called off after thieves broke in and stole the poppy appeal box. I mean, you know, what low life would do that? It's in Portsmouth. I realise Portsmouth isn't the most salubrious place. But the vandals smashed the building's new glass front entrance and uh, they took about £100 in donations. Isn't that just, you know, what sort of low life could ever do that? I've, you know, if I was the judge, you know, and it came up before me for magic, I'm afraid I'd be handing out, you know, serious sentences. No, no none of this, you know, people walking free from court, you give them a community order. Oh, no, 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 no. Two years in prison minimum. Two years in prison. I'm sorry, you know, you do the crime, you do the time. It's as simple as that. I never understand why, you know, people vandalise people's property, why people steal from other people. I mean, it just it just drives me mad. You know, I was always taught, you know, if you want something, you know, then you work for it, you pay for it. That's the whole like that's what makes you proud to have something. You know, not not particularly good if you go around pinching stuff all the time. Uh thirty five pounds for this thunder shirt. £35, but my friend has just bought one, says Sandra, and they've got £5 off certain sizes. This is the shirt which uh, you put round your dog, and it makes them feel comforted and warm, and they sleep. They sleep really well. And her, her dog hadn't slept for about two weeks, and it was really, really difficult, so she bought this undershirt, because uh, we'd mentioned it. It works a treat. Works an absolute treat. So very, very pleased about that. Uh, <clears throat> 84850, and... Uh, my friend Chris Allen, who is out in Dubai, and uh, he he's, I think, sorted out my first mortgage on my flat. We're not related. He said, I remember 20-odd years ago you telling me, watch out for the papers tomorrow, ref Jimmy Savile. Cause, because I was new in the business, you know, I was, I, I'd sort of picked up on various things. And uh, he said, Eid is now over, the weather's lovely, great show as always. Chris, nice to have you with us this morning. And uh, I did. Because I remember being told about Jimmy Savile, and I thought, it'll be in the papers. It will be in the papers. It is. I didn't think it'd be 20 years later. Well, it might have been a bit sooner. And, and another person as well. There was another, uh, another celebrity who they were following at the time, who I won't mention because they're very, they're very prominent. They hadn't done anything wrong. It's just that they were being followed for whatever. I think they were trying to find out if they were gay. But, of course, nowadays, I mean, that's so, you know, television presenter gay. It's a bit of a non-event, isn't it, really? It doesn't, doesn't quite work. Uh, when you get home, says Norman... Morning, Norman. Use steam. Any voice expert will tell you, Steve, steam is the voice's best friend, either with or without carvol. And don't stay silent. Keep the voice exercised by doing gentle hums on a note that's comfortable. Mm. Ooh, makes, ooh, makes your lips go all funny, doesn't it? Mm. Ooh, no, I can't do that. Definitely not. He says, I wish you better soon. Thank you, Norman. Thank you, Norman. It's nice to hear from you this morning. That's always nice to hear from people whenever you're not feeling... I'm, I feel fine. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I'm feeling absolutely fine about it. A bit bored with some of the stories in the papers. A bit bored with the Jimmy Savile thing that's rumbling on because I don't know where we're rumbling on to. If I could see an end in sight or, or I knew what was, what was going on, I'd be, uh, be a lot happier about the blooming thing. Uh, very quickly, Maud Grimes was Maureen, Sherry Houston's mum in Corrie, not Phyllis Pierce. That's Martin in Leon C. So quite all right about it. And we have been told, we have been suitably admonished. Uh, email address of the supplier of Manuka Honey. Jenny, uh, email address. Oh, I bought it in Holland and Barrett. I buy all my uh, stuff in there. I could probably get it in uh, Mr. Shah in goods, but I I've never looked in there for... Uh, you could, yeah, not, not this one, this is 25 plus. They probably do a cheaper version. I just prefer to buy something I think is, is good for me. 
<clears throat> I don't know why, actually. Uh, tea tastes much nicer, says Janet, when brewed in a pot. You see? There are those tea aficionados out there, which is probably a lot of you at the moment, who, who think it's heathen to put a tea bag in a cup. I mean, Sven downstairs has got specialty teas. You know, we have a little blue... You have a little wooden box, and they open it up, and people go, mm, mm, I think, um, mm, apple and pineapple. We'll have one of these. You know, I mean, there's various people... I don't want to mention names in our office who have herbal teas, you know, because they think it's good for them. And uh, I think I think Rupert... Barty, who's got a tea drawer, he has specialty, but I mean, he's so posh. So he has, he has a tea drawer, whereas I've just got some old tea bags in my cupboard, but they are Earl Grey, otherwise known as girly tea. You know, ask anybody, you know, you, you, you're never going to find a lorry driver or somebody who works on an oil rig drinking Earl Grey, I'm sorry to tell you, because people go, oh, it's just so naff. You go, and, and, and they go, oh, it smells, it smells sort of so just limp and... Uh, and what does it smell of? Floral, isn't it? It's a little bit... But, I mean, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, I like any tea. I don't want anything where you can stand a spoon up in it, thank you. But I do appreciate the fact that you do get, you know, a nice cup... Of, my mother used to make a good pot of tea in the morning. And I remember old-fashioned things, like a tea cosy. Nobody has tea cosies now. It's never... They're long enough. You know, you don't even get teapot. But I, I used to like novelty teapots. I never had any. I just used to like novelty teapots. Uh, we apparently are the, um... The world number one for tattoos. Oh, dear. Bit of a worry, isn't it? Apparently, one in three Brits aged 16 to 44 have a tattoo. Come on, hands up. How many of you got tattoos? No, nobody around here. There's a girl upstairs who's got tattoos, hasn't there? I don't know who she is, but I think she reads on Capital. She's got a tattoo. Got quite a few tattoos. And uh, and they've got different people in here. Sean and another Sean. He's, uh, he has a tattoo his uh, cousin Ryan always wanted to get before he died. Why do people have this, you know, mum, dad, Bonzo the dog, you know, usual sort of things? I mean, David Beckham, frankly, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit trash. It's a bit trash to have tattoos. And he's, he's a bit peculiar, David Beckham. He, he so wants to be middle class and he's so not. You know, they're so desperate to elevate themselves out from the caravan park and it's not happening at all. You know, whichever way you look at it, tattoos are a bit naff, I'm afraid. Uh, many pensioners are staying home because they're terrified of falling over. I'm terrified of falling over. There's only going to be a light dusting of snow out here. And, you know, there's a very good chance I could fall over. And, you know, when you get a little bit older, not that I'm older, but, you know, when you do, and you thought, by God, it hurts. I've got bruises all over my blooming body. I really have. I'm like a little advert. Um, never mind putting the, uh, the Portsmouth thieves in jail. Just make them sign up for the army, Steve. After six weeks' basic training, send them to the front line for a ter- term of service. They'll never steal again. Oh, they so want them to go out there. So want them to go out there. They'd just be a blooming hindrance, wouldn't they, I'm afraid? There wouldn't be, wouldn't be much cop to anybody at all. But uh, uh, there's got to be a deterrent where, where somebody will steal a poppy tin, I'm afraid. I think that is, that is just the worst thing. Although, there was a nurse, and, um, and this nurse was driving... <coughs> I don't know where it is, but um, Braintree in Essex, seven youths, they threw a concrete slab onto this woman's car, and the next thing, what do you think they threw next? A cat. They picked up a cat and hurled it at the car. I mean, it hit the bonnet, the poor thing scurried off. I mean, cats are fairly resilient, let me tell you. You know, they're not meant to be hurled at things. But you read about these awful stories of people who do things to animals. And I want to string them up. I absolutely want... I cannot understand, in, you know, in the real world, 
you know, why anybody... We've heard of stories of people who've decapitated cats. And, you know, somebody throwing a cat at a car. I've heard of cats, you know, people have tied fireworks to them. And then, and you think to yourself, I'm sorry, but you, you quite clearly need taking away and uh, being put under general anaesthetic. Having all your limbs removed and then just pushing you out onto the street. I just, I just can't, can't get my head around that one at all. I don't know why anybody would ever want to hurt some sort of poor animal that's near. They, they say dumb animals. There's animals that have never done anything to hurt them at all. And they find themselves on the end of it. So, uh, as a magistrate, I'm afraid I would be the uh, hang-em... Hangham and Floggham Brigade. That would be the kind of thing. Uh, I've been a fan of Manuka Honey for years and use the high strength. If you spread some, says David and Jenny, on a small piece of dry bread, don't eat or drink anything for half an hour, uh, otherwise you kill off the healing properties. And I bought a supply with me here in Turkey. Well, I, I bought mine. It's 25 plus. I think you can get 50. I think there is a 50. They've all got uh, all got different different numbers on them. Um, and Jeremy uses propolis lozenges. Such a good word, isn't it? For sore throats. Do try them, they'll really help. I remember them coming in a, in a tube for some reason. I don't know why. I always remember these strange things. Still to come, I'll give you a rundown what's happening with uh, Nick Ferrari this morning and why swearing and coffee is a bad habit that's good for you. Details after this. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. People in New York are being warned it could take a week to restore electricity. Morning, he turned my house into a sex dungeon. This is the pronouncements from the ever-so-dreary Chantel, I'm afraid, and Alex Reed. Alex Reed has so far not commented, but quite clearly we're going to be bored. Bored to death, I'm afraid, with this gruesome twosome over Halloween as they both sell their turgid stories of their dull existence together. Um, I can't understand why Chantelle would ever want to say anything. I mean, she says here she claims that Alex Reed arranged to dress as Roxanne to meet a man. I mean, it's it's just, you know, I feel so sorry for Chantelle. She is so dim. Who is remotely interested? Who is remotely interested? You know, she sat on this show and she looked uncomfortable on the Irish chat show. She can't act either, I'm afraid. She uh, loves every minute of it, talking about her dreary life. Why don't you just stay in, find some friends... And try and have a life. It's not, probably not going to happen, I'm afraid. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Louise. Louise says, listening to you as I do my work from home before the children wake up. I've listened to your show since I was at university 30 years ago. I've just checked your photo for the first time. Interesting. It's not me. It's photoshopped. It'll be somebody else. I could just tell. <laughs> do you remember the uh, huge... Uh, talented, debonair, hunky, early morning presenter, says Paul at the Towers, who never had a day off, and uh, one day on the advice of his producers recorded a best of tape complete with links to be used, if by any small chance he was actually off sick. And the following day, actually was. wonder what happened to him. I don't know who this is. Who is this person? You must tell me. It's always the way, though, isn't it? You do, you do make these things. You think it'll never be used. I mean, I remember once we were at, uh, in another building in Grays Inn Road, and we had a fire alert... And the emergency tape was me. In a lot of cases, the emergency tape is Steve Allen. I don't know why it just is. And so we go out. (coughs) Excuse me. We go out of the building. And then after 20 minutes, we come back in again. And then blow me down. The fire alarm goes again. So on goes another emergency tape. 
It's another Steve Allen show. As we all troop out the building three times, I kid you not. Three times we walked out onto Grays Inn Road and three times there was another Steve Allen show. And, of course, the worst thing is that when you come back, they just fade it down and I just pick up and go, well, sorry about that. You know, we had a slight uh, a slight uh, misdemeanour going on down here, a little bit of an emergency situation. So three times we had three different LBC Steve Allen shows. It was quite funny, really. <laughs> well, for us, I don't think for anybody else. Everybody else was kind of suffering with the with the blooming thing. Eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Brian says I have a tea cosy, Steve, in the shape of a cat. Just off to make some Yorkshire. Oh, I don't like Yorkshire tea. It's a bit too. Is that tea with nout taken out, or was that something else? It was very, very, um, uh, very, very, very. Very, very, very strong tea, and I don't like it at all. David in Chelmsford says it's very annoying. Keep the throat warm, plenty of fresh air, yes. And uh, Sue points out the Brussels sprouts are back. Have you been getting them? I bought the little tiny ones. The other, I bought four boxes of them, five boxes. Delicious. Uh, Mark said I would send charity box thieves out to countries with old minefields. Simply parachute them in, let them wander around until they stumble onto a mine. Oh, dear. And uh, Yasmin says, Steve, the smell of Earl Grey is bergamot. Bergamot. It's a lovely... I love it. I can happily... I mean, years ago, we used to have Brook Bond PG Tips tea. Loose leaf. And we would always open the packet and pour it. We'd have a machine on the wall that dispensed the teas. You'd push the button on it and it would dispense the tea. And we would, we would go through the packet to try and find the little card in there that you would save. Kids probably do it now. I think you still do it. I think you, you still do it now. I used to love that. That was part of our... It's, it's like buying a packet of cereal... And the packet of cereal, you know, has got the free toy in it. We'd spend ages trying to find the free toy. And my mother would say, listen, I'm not buying the cereal just because it's got a free toy in it. And we learnt very shortly that the, the toys were mainly rubbish, I'm afraid. Uh, Thundercoats for dogs, says Joanna, are about 30 quid. It's a bit like swaddling a baby. Really wonderful in helping calm dogs, even if just nervous travelling. Well, it, it, it works. It works. Stephen Waltham said, he says, can you say it? Oh, Tracy, love, get better soon. Is that what Deirdre would say? <laughs> I like it. Uh, get some real chicken soup and, uh, is it Kneidlash? Kneidlach from a kosher deli. May not cure you, but feel 100% better, says Sharon in Hackney. Says, still keeping me up every night. Can't do a daytime show. You make me laugh. Well, that's good, you see. We like it. If people, listen, if you laugh or smile in the morning, it's got to be a good start to the day, isn't it? Tea in a china cup, says Tony the Black Cabbie. Perfect tea, Steve. Perfect. Stuart in Maidstone says, I don't know about sounding like Deirdre Barlow. It's more like Barry White. And then somebody says, Peter Andre is to music what Dale Winton is to rugby union. Oh, I don't know. You may, he might surprise you on that one. And, um, and one here from Kit, who says, can't bear to hear you sound so bad. Go to a Chinese supermarket and get this uh, stuff, which is a dry round fruit, especially for cops. Boil a pint of water. Pour what? Oh, it's far too complicated. I, sh- I shall just have some Jewish penicillin a little bit later on, and that'll keep me. I should be quite happy with that. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything today. I'm, I've got nothing that... Um, Oh, you digress. What happened to the tramp? Oh, that's right. Sorry. I'm losing the thread this morning. I started to tell you about the tramp. People <coughs> people in Twickenham are somewhat odd. Uh, part of the fact I didn't realise, but uh, Sandy's, the, uh, the fish shop, have got this uh, flower display outside. It's very good. They've got an award for it. I just took a picture and tweeted it, because I tweet every day. I try and do a couple of times at least, at Steve Allen Show. At Steve Allen Show. Anyway, so we have this, this tramp, and... Um, he turns out to be a heroin addict, but he sits by the side of the street. He's been cautioned by the police on numerous occasions for approaching elderly people, tapping them for money. He wasn't homeless. He had two bank accounts at Santander, and he had a flat, a very nice flat, just up at the end of Heathrow. 
And so he dies of a heroin overdose the other day. I mean, to be honest with you, he's been the bane of everybody's life for years and years. People have started putting flowers down. It's turned into like a little shrine with a photo of him. It's most peculiar. Because they're quite clearly people who didn't know the score and just thought, oh, he was this sort of kindly old person. He was a bit scary, let me tell you, as many of the women who were assaulted by him will, will testify. And then somebody yesterday started leaving some money. He had two bank accounts at Santander. He didn't uh, need to worry about money at all. Goes to prove people sort of pick up on things. It's like this, this balmy woman who comes round dropping bird seed and bread all over the place to feed the pigeons. You know, the sooner the pigeons are dead, the happier I am. So I go round spraying weed killer on them, you know, kill them off a bit quicker. But she just wanders around. She does about four areas. You can't miss her. She's got a shopping trolley and she wears those plastic sandals and she, she just drops bread and bird seed everywhere. Why she's not been prosecuted, I've got no idea. If I, was, if I was dropping rubbish all over the place, I'm sure the council had come down like a tonne of bricks on me. They've got signs up, do not feed the pigeons. But there she is every day. I mean, she's mad. She's not all there in the head department, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Um, uh, Dan in Bromley says, uh, Kerry Katona wrote Atomic Kitten's biggest hit, Hole Again, as well as others. No, she didn't. She never wrote anything and she can't write at all. Never did. No, she didn't make any millions. She has no money. We know she's got no money. That's the, that's the whole idea. That's why she's renting at the moment. She's got no money at all. But uh, she, was, um, she was one of those people that, um, that sort of just went out and talked. She's just very big-headed without having any, any particular talent. And so they, they pitch her up for a few things nowadays. And then she came up with the bipolar line. And then we had a few other things. It's all poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm a bit of a victim. And frankly, it's, it's a bit dull and dreary. Susan Bookbinder this morning is going to be doing the latest on Sandy. Makes it sound like the fish shop in Twickenham. You know, the latest on it, no, this is the, uh, the, uh, this hurricane, which is now... It's, I mean, the devastation it's caused is quite frightening. And still, you find all the numpties who go and stand at the end of a pier as it's being lashed by the wind and the rain and the huge waves. Or failing that, they go out for a drive in the car. What these stupid people are thinking of, I've got no idea. But anyway, the latest on that with, uh, with Simon Marks and Mark Anderson, who's on holiday in New York, was supposed to fly back yesterday. I think some of the flights, I might have to be corrected on this, but I think some of them are actually getting back to normal. <clears throat> and um, Erica and Loughton says, as a Christmas treat, could you do a show with each of your old friends, with Paul, Alan, John and the others? I don't know, do you know, I'm, I'm, because I'm here all over, well, I'm here all the time anyway, but I'm here over Christmas, Christmas week. I'm here on uh, breakfast for Nick Ferrari. They give him a rest at Christmas, and um, and uh, I'm doing seven till ten every day. So that'll be nice. <clears throat> I'm sure we'll think of something to do. I'm sure we will think of something to do. I'm sure we will. Uh, they're looking at the unions, the railways, and Halloween. Halloween is uh, is tonight. Oh God, it's going to be ghastly, isn't it? I could just tell it's going to be so awful. The producers show me her outfit, and uh, <clears throat> she's wearing it at the moment. It's horrible, very frightening, very. Oh, you're not wearing the outfit. I do beg your pardon. She's not wearing the outfit. But uh, people will be going out tonight. I don't care about Halloween. As far as I'm concerned, it's, uh, it's an American thing that crept over here. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't care about dressing up. I do like fireworks. And I think people will be doing fireworks tonight, I th- as, as well as uh, all week. And I've not actually bought any fireworks at all. I should really go and get some fireworks. I might, uh, might drive down to Costco today, go and have a look, see if I can get some rockets or something like that. I do like rockets. <laughs> Sad, isn't it, really? Sad. But it's, it's fun at the same time. Uh, with Nick Ferrari. Hurricane Sandy may be over, but Nick will be speaking to people in New York about the devastation it's left behind. Two iconic London landmarks are facing the chop. Well, I can tell you what one of them is. One of them is um, New Scotland Yard. 
where I used to work when I first started at LBC. That was where I worked. I was based down there to do the travel. You would go down there from four o'clock. You'd do the travel till, I think it was seven. And uh, then you'd come back and read the news till midnight. That was the that was the shift. I used to love going to New Scotland Yard. There was a trick to parking down there so that you uh, you didn't get a ticket from the traffic wardens. And it used to be a box of tissues on the front thing. Don't try it now, you'll get a ticket. But in those days, it was a box of tissues... And the traffic wardens then thought you were a policeman, which, which I was technically, because I'm in a room surrounded by all the policemen who are invalided. And so, as opposed to sitting at home, which they do now, they put them in, in traffic control. And you sit there, and they, they come and write up on all the boards. And I used to sit there with the guy from, uh, from a BBC station, Bob, for many, many years. And I uh, was very happy there. I loved it there. So the very idea that getting... And, of course, I went there to go and see the Black Museum, or the museum which has got all those dreadful things in that are not open to the public because it's only open to serving officers and invited guests. And I went there to have a look at the hangman's noose, to have a look at umbrellas with uh, nasty guns in them, murder photographs. Oh, dear, the stuff we saw. I mean, it didn't give me nightmares, but they had the cooker where that man who used to cut his victims up and boil them, that's in there as well with the pot and all these other things. And it's, it's there so that they can try and relate back to, to other crimes. So that, I think... I'm hoping will be one of the buildings that Nick Ferrari will be talking about this morning. They're selling it, I think, to save about £500 million a year. And still to come, Chantelle Houghton's astonishing revelation that Alex Reed turned her house into a sex dungeon. Hold yourself back, London. There's more revelations to come after the news with Sam Pittis. Morning. Six minutes. Oh, that sounds a bit better, didn't it? I sound a bit more cheerful. Actually, I'm not uncheerful this morning, or non-cheerful. Sort of trying to get over the sore throats. If you've just woken up, yes, it is Steve Allen's early breakfast. It is LBC 97.3, and uh, we are broadcasting live from Leicester Square. Well, as live as I can be this morning, because uh, this everybody's getting it. I've just had a, a long discussion with Sam Pitches. He's got the same thing, but uh, he's on antibiotics for his cough. And I said, it isn't so much the cough, it's, it's the chest as well, where, you know, I coughed about half an hour solid last night. And, um, and I thought, my chest is going to be so sore at the end of the day. So uh, back back to back to goods, I think, a little bit later. Nori says, chicken soup, manuka honey, and snuggle up with Teddy. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, I'm not, I don't feel ill. I don't, you know, it's not a cold or anything like that. I'm just, it's just a blooming nuisance. Uh, brilliant idea having guests at Christmas, says uh, Nori. Maybe phone calls from Paul, Alan and Nathan. Yes, that could be quite, we could go around the world, couldn't we, in a baking tray and find out exactly what they're all, well, I know what they're all doing, actually. Um, have you heard, says Jeremy... One of your favourite places coming near to Twickenham, Costco, to open in Staines. Is it? Oh, that's brilliant news. That's brilliant. Oh, that's very good. That'll save me driving to Reading. Not that I, not that I mind driving to Reading. I like, I like driving to Reading. And I do the other one as well. Out at Mill Hill. I go out there, but, which is quite good. But if it's coming to Staines, that's a brilliant idea. That's the best news I've heard this morning, actually. I haven't heard such good news for ages. Ages and ages. Uh, 84850. Jane says... Alex Reed is a shallow so-and-so. He'll latch on. Who will he latch on to next? Well, the next thing that you're all going to be getting, whether you want it or not, having heard about dreary Chantelle and her revelation. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, it's, it's like me coming in and saying, oh, today I decorated the bathroom or something. Mind you, I probably would tell you that because I do that sort of a programme. But, you know, in the case of Chantelle, she's nobody. She's absolutely nobody. She's some dumb bimbo celebrity type thing who, who doesn't have any talent. She just turns up and sort of waves like some, some irritating little person that you kind of want to lock in a room forever and a day. <laughs> and so they don't ever come out again. And then they tell you every aspect of their life. So then they go on chat shows and tell you, presumably the agent, 
trying to make money out of them, so they stick them on, on a chat show where they can talk about how awful life has been. You know, why any of these... I mean, I don't know what sort of chat show would ever want to interview somebody like her and ask her about somebody that nobody knows about, you know. So he turned your house into a dungeon. Why would you ever want to be interested in that? Why would you ever want to know about something like that? I mean, I just couldn't care less. I'd be more interested, you know, if sort of somebody sort of cut her hair off while she was sleeping and then gave it back to the person who grew it to start with or wherever it came from. But when you see a picture of Chantel, you know, over-made-up bimbo on the television talking about, he turned my house into a dungeon, you know, it just becomes laughable. <coughs> you know, we're in this shallow celebrity era, and uh, God knows there seems to be enough of them. It seems to, it just there's never a day go by goes by. I mean, you can you can go through the uh, the papers on a daily basis, and you can find people in there, and you think, but who are you? Who are you? Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC. Uh, David says, could one of the national tabloids run a nationwide campaign to find the culprit who told Peter Andre he could sing because there is a danger to society? <laughs> yes, that's, I suppose that's, that could be that could be the answer, actually. You know, who actually told him he could sing? I don't know. I don't know. 84850. Sue in Bromley says, you keep talking about Chantelle. You must go back to school and learn how to spell. But anyway, she's such a nobody. You're always giving... giving her publicity. Is she a relative? I'm not sure whether you're just being ironic or stupid. It's a bit difficult to tell on that one, I'm afraid. Uh, Gordon Ramsay only goes to dinner parties if the host has a dog, so he can slip the food to the dog if it's rubbish. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that story. So, of course, every time I mention Gordon Ramsay, they'd put a picture of the Beckhams in there, but I can imagine the conversation must be dull, dull, dull. Gordon, great at the conversation. The Beckhams, really boring. Uh, Top Gear favourite, Richard Hammond, is becoming a spy chief for a new telly show. He's going to host a BBC One Saturday night hidden camera show, Richard Hammond's Secret Services, beginning at Christmas. His total wipeout show has been axed, which is a shame, because I liked it. I liked it. Do you like it? Oh, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. But uh, so he's coming back. I don't know why anybody told him he could present programmes, because on the um, on the um, total wipeout thing, he just sat in a studio, and it was Amanda Byram who did all these stuff. I mean, it was only good, the producer says, when the benefit fraudster went on and was caught out. Yes, I mean, I do like it. I like the other day, Matt Allwright, they, they dragged these things out on the Watchdog programme. He exposed some man who came round and pretended that your car needed all these things doing. He was the fattest bloke you've ever seen, and he was a fraudster. Because what he was doing, he was just hiking up bills to people who don't know anything. Because we all hold our hands up, don't we? Unless you're a mechanic, or you've been on a course or something at your local polytechnic, you've got no idea what goes on with an engine. And yet I spoke to a guy, Steve, who works for the, the garage where I get my, my car service. He reckoned he can take apart and rebuild a Rolls-Royce engine. And it's got thousands of parts. I mean, you've never seen like it. Once you see these things stripped back, it's quite... I mean, you think, blimey, whoever came up with this idea? And he, he could take one apart and put it back together again. That's clever. I don't know anything about cars. Petrol in one end. I had to put some uh, water in the coolant the other day because the coolant light came on. And so I, I put a litre of water in there. Because when you have the air conditioning on it, it tends to use it up a little bit. So uh, I did that, and that's all I'll do. And it'll go in for its winter service probably in about a couple of weeks' time. Certainly before the end of November. And um, and then it'll all be tickety-boo and happy. And then I pray we don't get snow. Don't get me wrong, I do love snow, and I do talk about snow on the programme. But uh, driving in it is not good. It really isn't good. I've, I've had some, some hair-raising experiences 
which is uh, which is not good at all. Other stories in the papers today: the two British soldiers uh, shot dead by a Taliban gunman dressed as an Afghan police officer. Their bodies were brought back, and they've got lots of pictures of people who are quite distraught. I mean, it's it's just that's why you know when you read the story in the paper earlier on of of somebody who pinches a poppy tin, you feel like saying you've just kicked these people in in the in the gut. That's what you've done. You've 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 completely destroyed them by your by your selfish act of pinching a poppy tin for a hundred quid. It'll be it's bound to be somebody on drugs or something like that. But unfortunately, I've got no sympathy for these people. I have no sympathy for these people whatsoever. Unfortunately, it's it's you know it's people who who do things. You know, nobody forces them to take drugs. They do it, and then you know I couldn't couldn't be responsible for my actions because I was on drugs at the time. I don't really care. I'm sorry, I'm hanging the flogger brigade. I'm terribly worried about this 12-year-old boy who's gone missing and his parents are just going, well, you know, the father, um, I don't think we're going to find him again. I don't think we shall find his body again. You think, well, he must be out there somewhere. He's only on a tiny island. He was on his bicycle with clothes on and a bathrobe. I mean, it, it sounds peculiar, but we're all just going, oh, that's fine, let's not bother finding him now. There's a 12-year-old boy out there somewhere. Whether, he's, whether his body is out there or somebody's got... We don't know. But nobody seems to have seen him at all. He has effectively vanished into thin air. Freddie Starr, as I mentioned at the beginning of the programme, is uh, back in the papers today. He attacked journalists screaming foul-mouthed abuse. I mean, I should imagine he's just boiled over. I should imagine that's what it is. They went down there. They sort of pushed him a bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Knowing that he's, uh, he's fairly volatile at the moment. And... Uh, it was it was caught on camera. They almost went down there, almost to set him up. He rammed his car into one of their cars. He's quite clearly had enough. He's been on television. He's been on this morning. He's talked to Philip Schofield, I think, and Holly Willoughby, and they've uh, they've discussed it. But quite clearly, he's, he's not prepared to put up with journalists going down there and harassing him. So uh, he lashed out. Probably not the best thing he could have done because it just makes the paper and they go TV Freddy's meltdown, which is exactly what it was. LBC ninety seven point three. Morning. Morning, morning. So don't forget, Madness's uh, new album is out, and it's called Wee Wee Sisi Ya Ya Da Da. It's heading for uh, heading for uh, for top five. And Suggs was in yesterday. You'll be hearing the that interview in. Uh, well, it won't be this week because this week it's Michelle Ryan who's doing Cabaret Willkommen, and uh, Tommy Steele who's back at the London Palladium in his rightful place. He's been there before. And he's back there again, so fans of Tommy... In fact, we had so much interest in Tommy Steele. When I mentioned I'd recorded him, the amount of people who'd said to me, when's the interview, when's the interview? This Sunday, LBC morning. So between five and six in the morning. Seems ridiculous, five and six in the morning, but luckily we've managed to turn most of your lives around. Uh, That'll be the best of Steve Allen. And then between six and seven, in conversation. And you can download the programme as well afterwards. Uh, There will not be today... An extra podcast. I feel awful about it, but I think I'm going to stumble through it a little bit. And I thought if we, if we, <coughs> excuse me, save the voice a little bit, we might actually be to get through uh, on. <coughs> Sorry, on tomorrow's pro. It makes it sound like I'm just about to keel over, doesn't it? Really, sounds a bit feeble. Then feeble. Uh, never mind. Uh, Darren Brown in the paper today, and um, and a family here have turned their house into a into a house of hell. They put a fake graveyard in... Oh, I don't want to see this all over the place. I mean, I, I don't mind people dressing the houses for Christmas, as long as they don't look too cheap and there's too many inflatables. But, uh, I don't mind an inflatable. You can't beat a good inflatable, can you, Will? As you probably can testify to. But, um... <laughs> 
I don't know where that came from. I have no idea. I just look at him and I think Bouncy Castle for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, so, um, oh, oh, hey it's only Wednesday. And, uh, and so people will be going out and they'll be dressing up and all the clubs will have. We used to do it when we did it in the, in the clubs years ago. We would hang bits of cotton. From from the from the doors, so as people walked through it, just just brushed against the hair, and people go, uh, uh, like that. It was such a simple thing. And then one time, we got very adventurous, cut a tree down and brought it in. Had leaves all over the dead, li- you know, dead leaves. Had leaves all over the floor and smoke and dry ice. Frankly, it fills me with horror even thinking about it now. But I should imagine they'll all be out there. All the DJs will be getting ready for uh, for doing their uh, their gigs tonight, and people will be dressing up. I mean, even poor old um, poor old Chloe Sims who, frankly, I don't know what she ever did before the Only Ways Essex came along. I'm assuming, well, I don't know what she was, actually. I've got no idea, but she's done a Halloween photo shoot. She said, I'm not scared of anybody on the Only Ways Essex. Uh, There aren't a lot of people who frighten me. Um, No, but you're you're fairly frightening yourself, aren't you? I can't see you ever finding anybody, because uh, nobody's going to want to. She apparently dressed up as Catwoman. Oh, dear. And she says, um, everybody said I should go out with Diags. What, that spotty fat bloke? You're not serious, are you? That'd be like child kidnapping, wouldn't it? He's only about 12 or something. He's 10 years younger than me. I don't know how old she is. Oh, there we are. James, James Bennywith, known as Diags. I mean, I don't know where that comes from. These stupid nicknames they give themselves is 21. So Chloe is 31. Looks about 50 in these pictures. But uh, never mind, Chloe. I'm sure one time you'll find somebody. I mean, could you not find somebody, you know, on an advert or something? I never got round to, I'm sorry, telling you about Chantel Houghton's astonishing revelation of turning the house into a sex dungeon. I mean, the very idea, ladies and gentlemen, I've got no room for a sex dungeon. I don't even know what you have in it. I'm assuming... That's the only thing holding me back. I don't have any room to put a sex dungeon in. But, in fact, I did... <laughs> I can't tell you this. I can tell you the story. We used to have a weatherman at LBC many, many years ago, and he had a dungeon in his house as well. Well, that shocked them next door. Two of them have fallen off their chairs... And Will's... Yeah, he used to have a dungeon. And I don't... I don't. I, mean, I think perhaps he was into film sets or something. I don't know. You know, doing like a carry-on. But, uh, but the idea of a sex dungeon. So it's not just a dungeon. It's a dungeon with added extras. So in other words, there is obviously going to be, you know, some shackles on the wall. You know, so you could be... Because that's always frightened me. I've never fancied the idea between you, me and the gatepost of actually going out or having somebody tie you up to the bed at night with a pair of handcuffs just in case they tie you up and then they walk out and leave you. You know, that that is my worst nightmare. My worst fear would be somebody putting handcuffs on and leaving me chained to the bed naked and then walking out. And then, and then you know, and then you have to, you have to try and get yourself off the bed, you know, with, oh, it fills me with horror. So I don't know what a sex dungeon is. But uh, I'm presuming she sort of she was there as well. You don't build a sex dungeon just for yourself, do you? You build it for a. I'm, I'm speaking like I know what I'm talking about. I'm ever so sorry. I don't, I don't know anything about sex dungeon. The people writing in now, Steve. We're thinking of building a sex dungeon. Have you got any ideas? What colour wallpaper should we have? You know, would you use sort of fur-lined gloves or you know? I mean, I, I'm talking like I know. You know, would I be a dominatrix? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Will's eyes lit up then. There's obviously a familiar word in their household, I should imagine. Dominatrix. Just sounds funny, doesn't it, really? Every time I think of dominatrix, I just think of some some sort of huge Wagnerian woman wearing sort of thigh-length boots. Odd that, isn't it? Anyway, other stories in the papers today. Moving on quickly, he says. Um, 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 nothing. Talisa, with one of the boys from The Wanted. Um, 
Uh, Kate Moss says she's living proof that blondes don't always have more fun. She's, she, I think she's wearing a wig here, but it suits her. Blonde suits her, very much so. The damage caused by this, uh, this superstorm could reach £30 billion. Pounds. Uh, plus all the, the Pride of Britain people, there they are outside uh, Downing Street, and uh, a lovely little motley collection. <clears throat> Going to prove that people who do nice acts for people aren't necessarily the best dressed. You know, they're all out there and they look good. And then uh, they've got, we've got Prince Charles doing some dance here because he's, he's always up for it. And uh, he did the, is it called the Mobot? That, yeah, you do the, th- I don't even know what it is, but it's just put your hands on your head. Is that like Simon Says? Simple Simon Says, put your hands on, oh, just me again. Um, there's some poor little kid who's allergic here to ibuprofen, and his skin started flaking off. It's a, he said to his mum, am I dying? And she went, I don't know, I don't think so. But it's taken 65% of his skin off. And she reminds me, I must go out for a Chinese tonight. I, um... <laughs> no, seriously, I'm a, I just... They, they were doing a programme on the Food Channel yesterday, and he was doing Crispy Duck. So it makes me hungry thinking about it. But it was flattened Crispy Duck. And it was, you know, I said, dead. I think it was dead. And it was covered in this sauce, and they sort of based them and everything else. And then they sort of chopped it up into strips. And it looked, it was so crispy and crunchy. And then somebody said to me, it's really, oh, my God, Simon Cowell's put on a lot of weight, hasn't he? Simon Cowell's face has gone very, very puffy. He was on the uh, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And it's not the, that's why we haven't seen him for a while. Because normally Simon is very... Oh, I don't know what he... Do you know what he looks like? On the left-hand picture we're looking at, he looks like Richard Arnold. And you don't want to look like Richard Arnold. I mean, really. I mean, that's... But he's, he's gone... He looks like he's had his nose done. Doesn't he? It certainly doesn't look like Simon Cowell at all. I don't know what's going on there. Unless he's had... His eyes have got... Look, I mean, his eyes look different and everything. Perhaps he's had puffiness put in to smooth out the lines. But, in fact, it's had the adverse effect. Check out the, the pictures online. You will find them on the Daily Mail. They're all there for you. Front pages of the papers. <coughs> Excuse me. The pride, the pride and the Joy. Backstage at the Pride of Britain. Picture of Louis Walsh. The Serbian police charged two England stars. Uh, the Daily Star. New York submerged. Amazing pictures. Absolutely amazing. Uh, James, yes, it was. Uh, the Palace are asking the questions, why were we not told about Jimmy Savile? Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. Uh, this is the uh, the Express. have got the Superstorm. 39 dead, they've said. 39 dead. The mail on the front page. Minister signals end of the wind farm. Ronnie, 65, to wed girlfriend. 34, that's Ronnie Wood. It'll be nice, actually, because in a few years, her name's Sally Humphreys, you'll be his carer. So that's lovely, isn't it? So, so good for you there. It will be an endless round of cold steel potties and sawdust on the floor and not allowing him to go out by himself. The Independent, more pictures of the, uh, the storm and the carnage. And uh, the Times, again, <coughs> excuse me, all the, uh, the, the taxis submerged in New York. Absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, that's uh, just about it for this morning. I think we shall we shall do it again tomorrow. Don't forget you can uh, you can podcast if you go to the uh, LBC website lbc.co.uk. You think I'm wrapping up now, don't you? No, no, I've got another minute and a bit to go, so I've got loads to talk about. I'm just I'm such a I'm, I'm such a do you know honestly I can filter the seconds. I'm I'm so good at it. I could almost I can make my sentences fit to the seconds. So 
If you download the uh, the programme after it's finished today, it'll be up there a little bit later on. Just remember there's no, <coughs> excuse me, extra podcast, and you can probably appreciate why. And uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. We'll give you some extra bits on it tomorrow. But uh, I think we managed to coverage every, coverage uh, cover everything about Chantel today. So don't forget, on Sunday, the in-conversation is Tommy Steele and uh, Michelle Ryan, who's currently starring in Cabaret. Tommy's back at the Palladium. Have yourself a great day. Do you know, I didn't even do the weather today. I was so I was so out of it at the beginning of the programme. I just say, look out the window and something will happen. You know, it'll either be sunny or rainy or something. Whatever it is, it'll be a lovely day. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 4. Coming up next on LBC 97.3. The morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.